0: Hello, 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 everybody. I am NS, Nerd Slayer, whatever you'd like to call me, your host of Six Pixels Under Podcast. This is episode 72. And on this week's podcast, I just have to come out and say right away, it's definitely like a lighter week in terms of um, news than I feel like we've been used to the past couple of weeks. Um, obviously, there's a lot of um, news to talk about with the uh, coronavirus, like that Effectively canceled the GDC uh, convention, so the Game Developer Convention, uh, not the GDCC, um, but the Game Developer Convention. After a bunch of, uh, you know, big corporations and big gaming companies pulled out of it, and so I think they had no choice but to kind of reschedule the event. Um, so that that was a big thing about um, some world news, I guess. And then there was also um, news. <laughs> Card is going to get to some news later on. Um, in a rapid fire segment, um, which is good because some of the news that I have here on the docket is like, um, definitely. <laughs> it, it, I'm just talking about Marvel, Marvel. Um, if you guys heard, um, Netmarble is doing a Marvel, um, mobile game, a mobile online world, mobile MMO. I think, I don't, I think they're calling it a open world mobile MMO. There you go. Um, and which sucks because it'd be awesome to actually see a Marvel MMO, like, you know, one that's really attempted with the character creator and being able to customize your powers and all that kind of stuff. Like, a modern-day superhero uh, MMO, I think that would still be awesome. That That would still be fun to play. And I know there's still people in chat that would say, just go play City of Heroes, and fair enough. But I think that um, I'm talking about a modern one. Like if we had a modern one with like an action combat system, and i guess d c universe is like the most modern one we have, but even that one feels like in current day twenty twenty pretty ancient i would say uh g d c corona version uh it's not it's funny and then it's not funny, you know um thank you card by the way, for resubscribing to the uh nor club uh fifteen months it's been. Here's your, the tip, and uh, obviously for those who are listening, you missed that. Mobile games. Um, so yeah, uh, th- there's also I wanted to go over after Card goes over some of the details briefly um, of both the recently announced Riot FPS multiplayer, you know, hero shooter. I guess we can call it already, uh, Valorant, and then also, um, and then also Baldur's Gate three. So Baldur's Gate 3 uh, released some gameplay, or Larian I should say, Larian Studios released some gameplay uh, over Baldur's Gate 3, and um, they showed off some things like the game being turn-based, having a role system, and looking in some ways oddly similar, (laughs) obviously not so oddly, but similar in ways to Divinity, um, Original Sin 2 of course, um, which could be good. Um, I think it actually might be good, but... We'll we'll go over that a little bit later as well. Um, so I'm gonna go ahead and <laughs> my news up is only half a page. Yeah, no. Um, I'll go ahead and toss it over to Card to let him. Uh, you, you got to no 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 no. I'm still gonna p- pass it off. Hey, Card, how's it going?
1: Uh, going quite all right. So yeah, you covered some of the topics. I'll just go over them briefly for those who don't want the full rapid fire. She mentioned Marvel and NetMarble announced a new Marvel mobile MMO. So it uh, seems that not everybody ran away from the COVID-19 outbreak uh, at PAX East uh, this year. So they announced their new mobile MMO. It's supposed to be using a third-person chase cam and controls mimicking traditional MMOs. How the hell they're planning to do that? I have no idea on the mobile device because it's a mobile device and, well, I think most of us know how our MMO UIs look like. I don't see that's like, probably most of our UIs take up the entire screen of your mobile phone and then some before we talk about having space for the game. Well, yeah, so be it. All of it, they say that's going to be console-quality graphics. So we'll see what that will maintain. And well, uh, they're going to have some mix and matchings of characters, so you can like combine different things from different characters, from what I understood. It's not entirely clear to me, but could be interesting, I guess. And well, seeing it's a malware game, it probably will rake them in uh, many, many millions and billions. And there's currently no release date scheduled yet. Continuing on the COVID-19 outbreak news... Uh, As you mentioned, the uh, Game Developers Conference has been postponed uh, or rescheduled to late summer, although people are questioning if that's going to be workable at all, considering you're also dealing with things like Gamescom in the time period. It does make sort of sense to go towards late summer, as from what I understand, experts believe that uh, COVID-19 will not be under control until, you know, we probably start getting control of it by the beginning of summer, so it will take some time. In the same vein, CCP has entirely canceled uh, Event Fest this year. They say they have to prioritize the safety of attendees, staff, and also the general Icelandic public, because I believe they don't have COVID-19 out there yet. So that sort of makes sense. And really, as time goes on, we'll probably see more uh, events being canceled for us, of course, as gamers. But also you will notice if you're looking outside of games, a lot more events are being canceled, like MotoGP races and everything. So overall, it is just wrecking havoc. And finally, of course, Riot Games uh, showed us a bit more of their new FPS title and gave it a name, Valorant. So if you're the one that fancies a cocktail of CSGO and Overwatch, it seems to be that it could be a promising title. It's going to be a 5v5 competitive FPS with currently, I believe, eight distinct characters. All the characters will use the same set of weapons, so that's not going to be an issue because you buy those just like you can see us go. And you also buy your abilities, which are going to be single use. So actually using your abilities uh, at the right time and place is going to be far more important than Overwatch, which is, of course, a lot more spammy on the ability. So it's by all accounts, Valorant seems to be far more leaning towards being an FPS than uh, Overwatch would be, because especially these days, Overwatch, you know, it leans far more towards like say, honestly, towards a MOBA than an FPS than uh, it used to, at least. Uh, if you're curious about the gameplay, there are there's gameplay footage to be found online now uh, from some developers playing, which, you know, looks. Uh, it sounded at least like it was not fully canned and uh, pre-prepared, so that's always a good thing. In the end, of course, how it will be, we'll have to judge when we get our hands on it, but seeing it's a Riot title, it's probably going to be free to play, so it should be fairly easy for us to all try it out. And that covers it what I have for you for the news this week. So back to you.
0: Cool. Yeah, I know it was lighter than usual. And there wasn't a whole lot of MMO news. But uh, I guess that's going to happen sometimes. And not to mention, uh, there has been a lot of cancelled events. So we've been losing out on some potential news in the process as well uh, throughout
2: all of that. Thanks card. You're welcome. <laughs>
0: Alright, um so let's go over some of the gameplay and react a little bit to Riot Games' uh multiplayer FPS, Valorant, that was just recently announced. Let me pull up an article
2: on screen quick. Alright, so here we go. Um,
0: Project A was the name it was going as, uh, obviously, when it was kind of just a hidden project. Uh, Valorant was the actual name um, and now has a registered website in the name, so it's an official name. They've even got a Twitter page. Uh, It's it's real. So already at the top, they're calling it a CSGO-like multiplayer FPS. Characters have their own unique single-use abilities that do things like create smoke screens, blind other players, revive and heal allies, or even scout an area. Man, it's crazy to see the legacy of games like Global Agenda and Shadowrun still being, you know, echoed. Like, we we go back to Shadowrun, and of course I did a video on Shadowrun, and Riot's new uh, Valorant game seems, to me, so similar to Shadowrun in ways, but obviously, hopefully they're going to improve on (laughs) some of the mistakes that Shadowrun made. But uh, Shadowrun even had the whole, like trying to be CSGO gimmick. It had rounds and you bought like uh, powers and stuff. Like, it's pretty damn uh, sane. What? Remember big fake reactions. At least the kids won't understand. Wow. <laughs> you mean like that? <laughs> Let me see if I can they find the part where I explain the gameplay. Who otherwise might not have paid the money to try your game.
2: Whoa, nerdception.
0: Speaking of being one of the first to do such, they would launch on Xbox 360. Yep platform shooter so everyone could play it together. A knockback, a blind of sorts, would okay, require you money to spend on better weapons or armor. Except in Shadowrun, you have access to magical powers. For example, you could create a tree of life weapons and advanced technology. Right, in Shadowrun, gamers can play an elf, dwarf, human, or a troll, each has unique abilities. Each round of the game, gamers get an opportunity to buy new tech, magic, and weapons to grow and customize their It's literally just like this. Their the tech and magic in the game give you new combat actions to combine, which allow you to outsmart and outplay your enemy. Mitch and GameSpot continue on with more questions about the races and the like. GameSpot likens Shadowrun to Counter-Strike with magic. And that's because... like in Counter-Strike, How's everyone doing, you have by the way? Let me turn myself down. Except in Shadowrun, you have access to magical powers. Right, yeah, how's For everyone example, doing? I didn't even say hello to you guys. I'm trying to start the show and I forget to say hello. And hello. heal those that surrounded it. It's also the 2nd of March, 2020. the swords with the smoke ability. And the more important aspects of Shadowrun were centered around the teleport ability. You are able to teleport in and out of battle. And because... I mean, obviously the combat is looking better um, these days in Valorant, as we'll see in a, in a bit. But... um. I definitely think there's a lot of similarities uh, they are kind of like impossible to ignore. So apparently this is alpha gameplay footage, so of course, you know,
2: can I gun?
0: Yeah Daedalus, uh, I actually didn't stream last week, I was so busy with the uh, video game project that I've been working on with uh, everyone, you know, who's involved, uh, all the volunteers, and it, it was it was a lot, man. It's been a lot to deal with. but. I think it's finally starting to get to a place to where we're starting to organize everything and you know it's just going to be slow steady progress and we've already made some of that so that's good like it's it's exciting you know we've just been very early stages like getting the movement systems figured out and apparently we're going to have to figure out physics as well it's so a volcano isn't this the uh, isn't volcano one of the CS:GO devs one one of the Counter-Strike devs, like the absurd. OG devs. So mid, help. No, I'm lean this game really game. does look like Counter-Strike. No. I, I agree with you guys. Yep. Base Praetorian says, what up bud, just watched the Battleborn video. Good stuff, thanks man, I appreciate it. GVF, <laughs> everyone wants the Overwatch market. Yeah, and I think that Overwatch is a bit weak right now yeah. while they're trying to figure things out. So people are looking at them like yum yum yum. Thanks. It does look like Counter-Strike boss, boss for sure, I mean, I think there's no denying that, but I think that that's intentional. I think that the, the, my thing is, is the fact that it's not, like, more realistic and it's kind of still stylized, but still kind of looks like Counter-Strike, makes it end up looking kind of bland in a way. And the game that I tried to compare it to, to some people uh, earlier in chat, was uh, actually Dirty Bomb. So I'm going to show you guys an example of Dirty Bomb. Dirty Bomb. Alright, here's Dirty Bomb. And you'll you'll notice like there's a lot of similarities. Like there's powers in this game as well. Um, but it has more of a focus on gunplay. Alright, can we show some gameplay? The visuals are kind of generic, you know, nothing too memorable. I definitely think it's more fast paced. Um, but I think Valorant looks pretty fast paced too, depending on how you play it. You think, like, because of the low health pools that it's going to be played more, like, slow-paced, like CS? Yeah, I mean, if you if you, if you can get one-taps like that, it would slow things down, right? I mean, I think he's killing them with a shotgun, to be fair, but... Honestly, I think the visuals might be an issue, Card says. If they plan to add more characters, they need to be memorable. Yeah, I think things right now are a little bit... um, I don't want to say generic because, again, it just sounds like a generic thing to say. But um, I want to, like... Let's go through and pick through it a little bit more now without the comms. Like, there are some areas where people are saying look oddly like a CSGO Overwatch, like had a baby like scenes like this remember this r- right here this is actually in like maps like um is it hanamura i believe it's hanamura hey, hanamura has these like little posts and it has this very like one of the other uh, capture point maps not capture points like king of the hill maps has this as well it has this like exact style right here like literally this exact style right here and again that that can just be architecture but. At the same time then you you have over here you have the uh bomb site on the map and or sorry you know you have the bomb site on the map and then you have it on the wall as well like that makes me think counter-strike and so it's like it's funny to see that right there so clearly this is basically just overpass it it does kind of look like that it looks like there's three bomb sites yeah it i think you know let's just call them bomb sites but they might have a different mechanic hey uh, thank you for subscribing uh, with your twitch prime scribble Uh, welcome to the nor club that's four months I appreciate it there's a tip
2: Um, fat cat corpse followed me thank you okay whoa what's with the color right there this must just not be finished like
0: if this is alpha footage some of the stuff can change But the coloring palette right here is like to me the definition of generic like let's just
2: let's just look at this all right so you've got like over here some shade of like
0: gray same shade nearly the same shade slightly darker you've got the bricks here they almost look like the same exact texture repeated and then you've got all of these like gray here. It's like it looks exactly the same. It yeah, I mean it a scene like this obviously is in isolation cuz I'm pausing it but I definitely hope that if they're going to do like hero shooter um I don't know, maybe maybe they're okay with doing kind of like slightly more realistic but still like some level of style to it. But I think that the problem with a style like that can be as um card mentioned a bit is the characters are going to come off uh being a little bit bland um because they're not going to have like the big memorable things about them kind of like in overwatch like genji being like a cybernetic like robot guy um may having like you know the little ice gun and turning into a big ice cube and stuff like Things that you can kind of remember more. Things that you can kind of hear more. This looks like a Zenyatta with daggers. You know?
2: <laughs> right. Isn't this Zenyatta with daggers? But it almost looks like someone designed
0: maps for CSGO and a game type for CSGO. But then designed like a hero shooter. Like Overwatch style. You know? So, I think that's why, like, the visuals in the game itself almost look like they clash. You've got, like, some level of stylistic uh, graphics here. You know, particle effects and stuff. But then you've also got, like, very realistic-looking guns. (laughs) The bombsite looks like a mirage. (laughs) Uh, Oh, no, yeah, it does. And this part right
2: here kind of looks like um, dust. We've got that little like back
0: cardboard bit that you can kind of like hide behind. Is that a thing they commented on? Honestly, have they really commented on it? Let me let me try and pick through this to see if I can read any more details.
2: I mean, their website is public, so. Uh, Right, isn't it? Isn't it public, or is it play Valorant or something? Uh, No, this is not an easy find. It not Project Valorant. Here it is. It's Play Valorant. Cool.
0: All right, so Riot Games presents a new competitive stage for you to shine from, a 5v5 character-based tactical shooter where creativity is your greatest weapon. Where precise gunplay matters.
3: Uh,
2: Is this the exact same gameplay? Okay. (laughs) I was like, what? Um, Oh, oh, okay. All right, wow. Out the gate. They're already... All right. 128
0: tick servers at least 30 frames per second on most min spec computers 60 to 144 fps on modern gaming rigs global spread of data centers aimed at 35 uh well less than 35 milliseconds for players in major cities around the world uh and that code we've been obsessing over commitment to anti-cheat cool they're saying a lot of good things right Shooting in Valorant is precise, consequently, and highly, le- uh, highly lethal. We want you to win on your skill and strategy alone. Um, it says something about latency, blah blah blah. But I uh, thought it said creativity. I was like, what? But creativity is your greatest weapon. Okay, cool. But how how do we know that exactly? Just show someone with a dagger floating. Okay, it says, use your own moves to outplay them and beat them to the shot. Valorant is a game for the bold strategists who dare to make the unexpected play because if it wins, it works. Okay. Um, I guess I didn't expect that much information yet, but I didn't expect, like, basically no information. Um, but, okay, so I guess we can just speculate a little bit, right? One thing I wanted to talk about though and I'll have the gameplay playing in the background again is I saw some people mentioning like oh n- no one's really going to want to play this game because it's too similar to CS:GO and yet it has abilities so CS:GO players are- aren't going to like it and and I don't think you should speak for everybody first off because yeah the CS:GO players might not like it but like players like me might like it. <laughs> like I'm a I-, I was a Halo player growing up and like I got into other sh- uh shooters as I got older and obviously I played Overwatch extensively but like I was the kind of player that liked games that had uh, more serious gunplay than maybe kind of a lot of other games. In fact, it was, a, you know, I was showing Dirty Bomb early, earlier. That was an aspect that I liked about Dirty Bomb was like the, the shooting in that game was a lot more precise. And it, as Limposs said in chat, it was pretty precise um, um, in terms of its. Uh, sorry, it was pretty fast paced. And I said precise. He said fast paced. And, and it was it was a fast paced game for sure. It's like a smoke, but it's like an ability that you cast. That's that's cool. I like that. Um, but yeah, no, I think um, I I don't agree with people. I think that there is an audience that likes to have a little bit of both, um, but wants it to be maybe more kind of favored this direction than this direction because we already have Overwatch. We already have a game where abilities are super strong in a in a hero shooter. Um, we already have a game where. Uh, you can buy a bunch of different hats right um so why don't we have a game that focuses like lawbreakers tried to do right like they tried um like they attempted like dirty bomb attempted in a way like both of these games attempted to be which is a more gun-centric uh version of a hero shooter i don't think there's anything wrong with that i think that there is going to be players that are interested in that whether or not they can maintain a player base and all that other stuff, obviously, I have no idea. I haven't even played the game myself, but I'm just saying, like, I saw a lot of skepticism of people saying, oh, well, like, they're marketing this too much to CSGO audience because they're not going to want to play it. And I think that there's people who like CSGO as a model in some ways, but maybe don't want to play CSGO. And um, I think I'm one of those players, so maybe I'm biased. But I'm actually really glad that Riot is being transparent about their design philosophy rotating many men yeah that actually might be a problem that's a good point i didn't think about that yeah there will have to be an option to disable that hey i just noticed that decay aoe does not kill you it brings you down to one hp hmm. cool interesting okay um so i think we reacted to as much as we can react um to valorant really at this point right now. um let's uh let's go over some baldur's gate stuff, so baldur's Gate had a stream on i g n where they showcased some of their gameplay and I thought it was um pretty interesting to watch because larian obviously was pinned to do the um the third ver- uh the third uh iteration is the word I'm looking for. The third iteration in the Baldur's Gate, will now Trilogy, but before, obviously, it was just two mainland games with a couple of spinoffs. Um, but they got pinned to do the game, and uh, I think that that's exciting, obviously, for reasons that they worked on Divinity, Original Sin, and a bunch of other games, too. Not just that game, but that was like their big hit just recently that was crowdfunded. And so people were kind of eager to see what can they do with the D&D uh, IP. And so uh, we'll see um, back to some of the gameplay. So obviously right out the gate, the UI for me already looks very similar to um, Divinity Original Sin 2. I don't know if that's necessarily bad, but that's just the vibes I'm getting. By the way, since it's a, a bit of a light news week, if you guys have any questions for me, just let me know and at me in chat
2: and I'll try and get to them. Okay. So we're just moving
0: around right now. a little. Alright, we found an NPC to talk to.
3: What? Oh, it's you. I saw you on the ship. You survived then. Suddenly I saw what she saw, felt what she felt. Anger, confusion.
0: Voice in your head. Cool. Ah!
3: You. You've got the same thing I do. In your head. I felt it. Okay, so I have a whole bunch of dialogue options. Uh, so what just happened to us is because of the tadpole, I was already introduced to that in the tutorial. We call it mind melding. Uh, so we both have a tadpole in our head, and uh, we can telepathically uh, connect to each other. Uh, but I'm also I think that was a
0: game that uh, Riot did release, yes. Uh,
3: so you will see I have no idea. I mean, I'd... it's not really my kind of to, game. Uh, being a essentially.
0: So Never really got into auto chess either.
3: I'm very What's the matter with you? Has that tadpole scrambled your brain already? So I can basically say, okay, well, I'll just uh, feed. Uh, or uh, I can swallow my urge and find ignorance, which is what I'm going to do because I uh, need a companion. Come on. The chase through hell. The creatures, what they did to us. The tadpole... The graphics look more like... Is going to from the inside,
0: ...Dragon Age than I would say... Um, ...you and I... Yeah, the graphics are more like Dragon Age than I would say that uh, they look like divinity in some respects. Like kind of when they do like the more like
3: zoomed-in
0: sequences of, you know, cutscenes whenever they're talking to each other, it almost reminds me of Dragon Age.
3: Okay, so I can offer to help her, but I'm a rogue also, so I can tell her to save her strength then that I'll take the lock.
0: Or you could stare at her the entire time while selecting dialogue have any of you guys ever messed around with that stuff like I'm actually like if you guys know me um, well now you know Um, but Uh, I'm a pretty big uh, troll uh, uh, even though I can come off as being rather serious Uh, that's that's just my manner of uh, speech but um um, one of my favorite things to do is to like when you're at a certain like dialogue sequence just like leave it there and then just like joke about like how the awkward silence you know like as a part of the story uh, or whatever is part of the dialogue vampires, but uh I always try and pick dialogue uh, okay, options uh, like relatively quickly because I think in my head like ready. just sitting and, there and just and being and like
3: uh, I can also question her what she knows about the things in each of our heads boom and then
0: Choosing the option never felt real
3: Supposedly, to me. <laughs> how can
0: you make a Baldur's Gate without time, Bioware? Um, I mean, I think, like, the thing mind. with Bioware is... They... Initially, Bioware was more so known for their engine... And the their yeah, ability yeah, to yeah. create rules... Rule uh, systems and stuff like that, that. So, like... They're really good at creating yeah. mechanics and systems. Um, I think storytelling-wise, actually... Uh, Like some of the best uh, writers uh, didn't really work for Bioware. They worked for Black Isle um, back in the day And then whenever that split off into a couple other companies a lot of those writers went to uh, Obsidian like Chris Avalon was one of those and Anyway, like I I think that although although Baldur's Gate obviously iconic games um, I don't know if this game is going to be able to compare to it in terms of its like narrative and you know like a broad or sorry in like an in-depth sense because i'm not convinced that this game wants to go super deep narrative wise i don't know honestly i don't know what to expect i really don't like i'm a huge neverwinter Nights fan uh, one and two i grew up playing those games and making my own little modules and stuff and so that's cool you can climb up things that's already something unique But I've heard words and uh, descriptions for this game, Baldur's Gate 3 being described, sorry, let me mute this sound, um, being described as, like, this game is trying to be the Neverwinter Nights of the new age. I saw an article that said that. I don't know if that's still currently the goal, but, like, when I saw that, it kind of made me very interested because I talk about it all the time, but Neverwinter Nights, to me, was one of the best multiplayer online RPG experiences i've ever experienced because you had the ability to have a gm and um or sorry dm in that game uh you had a dm and the dm could just change the difficulty of things spawn certain monsters create story dynamically and um you had people role playing as different characters and stuff and so like there's so many different modules and mods you could play in neverwinter nights it had like infinite replayability and so like there hasn't really been an rpg like that since that allowed you to you know, truly do that much customization a crpg i should say so it looks like baldur's gate 3 i I saw an article as i mentioned where they said that they want to be just that they want to be like the next neverwinter nights uh online kind of thing and um i think that uh i think right now i'm seeing like obviously turn-based gameplay which is for i'm sure for some people might be kind of like a bummer I'm not really sure why Uh, it would be a bummer at this point. Like, what do you expect when you play these sort of games? Like, ultimately speaking, even if they do have a real-time pause action, um, I would argue that, like, real-time pause is played by most people just because it's, like, the default style. Like, I think if people felt a lot of CRPGs and turn-based style, I think they would, like, not to be entirely biased because I could play both ways and I have played both ways many times, but, like, I think ultimately speaking, like, A lot of people play it the other way, just because they're not used to there being an option to play it turn-based. But like, there are some uh, CRPGs, like Pathfinder, for example, which I mean, I don't really know if you can argue that they don't play better whenever you just make it turn-based. And not to mention, like these style of games, these uh, CRPGs, they're they're click-based and they're turn-based. Ultimately, in design, like there's roles and and certain like behind the scenes uh, gameplay things that are going on, and so like. It, they just simplify it by instead of making it constantly go like Neverwinter did, um, they just stop at each turn. And you could pause in Neverwinter, but Neverwinter had the real-time you know, pause action kind of thing uh, because back in the day that was like super innovative. I think maybe to some extent it's not seen as being innovative anymore because a lot of people don't... I personally would agree with this sentiment, but a lot of people don't see that CRPGs are growing in combat that much. I think that's why Larian so highly regarded with um with divinity 2 original sin was because ultimately speaking like they did even though the game had some flaws in its combat system like rules wise um it had a combat system that was a lot more fun for people who were new to the genre to play like i know because i've i've taken many of my friends through a couple missions in um divinity and They're not people who play CRPGs and they had fun playing the game. And to me, that's such an important thing. So like, I think that maybe there'll be some of that rub off in um, Walters gate three, but it is a narrative, you know, strong game and typically has been one never winter nights also managed to be one both under Bioware and both under obsidian. Both of those were, I think obsidian's was better. Um, but again, I think the better writers went to obsidian, um, Ultimately, but that's just my opinion. I am um, i know, you know, certain people wouldn't want to talk or speak on that because obviously they have friends and they don't want to be biased. But I think it's safe to say that that's kind of the case. But um, Neverwinter Nights hasn't had another game since. And um, we don't know if there's going to be another Neverwinter Nights game. So it's like it's cool to see for me more D&D games, more D&D games that allow you to also affect gameplay and Unique ways to the D and D kind of like um, uh, the game itself, like and maybe even like the mythos. You could argue because like when and I like telling this story a lot. Like, but when I went to um, Pax Unplugged, which was a uh, tabletop event and a role play event, um, I was really surprised at how uh, how interested a lot of the role players there were in MMOs and online RPGs. But their problem, they told me, was like, you know, oh, we used to love Neverwinter, people would say. Um, but then the, we try and play MMOs or other multiplayer games these days, and there's just not as much customization. We can't, we can't change our, our, our character as much as we want to. We can't impact the story as much as we want to. And I think it's just insane to think that still in 2020, there's not a game that's satisfying that massive. It's not a niche. It's like a massive fan base. I mean, these conventions, role players can stack these conventions up to 50,000 people. No problem. Like role players are a big subset of a population of gaming, especially like the D&D variant. And um, I think it's cool to see them getting a high profile game made by a kick ass studio. So we'll see, um, obviously, how it it, uh, turns out. But the combat for me looks pretty kind of looks pretty larian-esque so i'm not typically going to complain about combat in crpgs as much even though i want to (laughs) i'm not going to just because ultimately i see it as like if you compare it to other crpgs most crpgs combat kind of sucks so it's like comparatively it's going to be better than those so it's like at least it's not just like worse you know like (laughs) at least it's not like the exact same at least there is some changes looks like there's a down mechanic for example that's interesting so like i think that there's going to be some little you know differences here and there and i'm okay with that ultimately but i'm only okay with that if the narrative is going to be stronger i think it's kind of like a balancing act maybe this is different for you guys but me as a player whenever i'm like or, or even just like as a critic when i'm looking at a game i look at it from the perspective of like How much is it in this direction and how much is it in this direction? And if I can see that it's trying to go more in this direction, like be more story focused, I'm going to try and look at it in that lens. But like in this case, um, if the combat is kind of standard fare and is more of what I've seen before in their previous uh, effort, um, which was obviously widely successful, then I'm going to be less like... Focused on the combat being good, and I'm going to be more critical of other aspects of the game that are different. You know what I mean? Like, so it's like the story aspect, for example, I'm sure would be one aspect that players, not just me, are going to be more critical of because of that. But also, you know, we'll see how companions work and the storytelling aspects and character customization. Because those are like character customization and companions, I think, are huge aspects of these games. Like, <laughs> that's cool. This guy just got killed. I think it's always cool to see people lose in a game because it shows that it's difficult enough, which that's that's a funny thing to me by the way is um I think there's a common misconception about role players that they're just casual players, but I think it's just because like they've typically been casual players in, you know, some of these games, but like um role playing games themselves aren't really casual. Most of them have permadeath. So it's like I hope there's a permadeath mode in this because that'd be very D&D for me and I personally would rather play a and d mode that had a permadeath in Baldur's Gate. Um I'm a big fan of permadeath if you guys know me like I I love it as a gameplay mechanic. Um I'm not going to sit here and say maybe it's the best for MMOs. Um I think allowing you to die and then respawn without your stuff is like maybe a okay middle ground. So like you don't have to make a new character or something crazy, but like um yeah. Uh, okay, so this is back to where we were earlier. Let's skip ahead and look at some more dialogue maybe. Also, what is it with this map right here, guys? This map literally looks copy-pasted from one of the first levels in uh, Divinity 2. Anybody else uh, can back me up here? Like, I, again, I know same engine, same developers, probably a lot of the same kind of assets use. It's game development, right? We're learning that ourselves at the moment. Like, you're trying to create as many easy-to-use assets so you can just use them over and over again and scale better without having to obviously make a bunch of, you know, different unique ones. But um, this part right here looks just like that one scene in uh, Divinity 2 whenever you're about to fight uh, one of the religious dudes. I can't remember his name. Bishop Alexander. It looks just like this scene. <laughs> so I uh, Baconite brought this up in chat, but um, I think there is a good criticism to say that this game, take away the Baldur's Gate name and just throw on... RPG three is kind of generic without the Forsaken World's kind of universe backing it up. Um and even then it seems kind of loosely tied in so far. So like right now, like that's cool. Like all these mechanics are cool, but like for me, these are like what have I what I expected, like I talked about. I also want to see some role play and story elements that make me think D D and um you know, like can I talk to these NPCs? Instead of fight them sometimes, you know? Like, what are my different options that aren't just combat related? Because D&D isn't just combat, right? So, like, I think maybe Baldur's Gate is just going to be more like... No, we're more like the combat-focused D&D. And I can kind of understand that. But again, I'd like to see some more, like, flavor, I guess. Or dungeons, yeah. Like, right now, the different classes that are being played... I'm kind of not really seeing a whole lot of flavor from them. They seem kind of like even the same abilities from uh, Divinity. And yeah, like that right there didn't do much for me. Like I'm not getting a whole lot of flavor from them. When I say flavor, guys, I mean like um, you know, the fluff text for for certain abilities that say things that sound like roleplay uh, oriented. Like Warhammer Online did a really good job of that. Instead of just saying attacks for 500 damage, it says sends a firing ball of ooze that explodes upon contact 500 damage blah 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 points you know whatever um and also things that particle effects that come out and every time you see like that fireball just you just know damn someone just casted a fireball like you need things like that roleplay wise to also help with your immersion but also just you know make the make the gameplay more exciting i think and i'm not seeing a whole lot of that either so Again, right now, we're being critical of basically one of the weakest aspects of a CRPG, which is combat. Um, But that's because, obviously, we're not going to get a whole lot of
2: storytelling
0: being done, probably, in this playthrough.
2: Yeah, it doesn't look like it. I thought that there was some more.
3: Each hour that passes, the thing inside us grows. We need to find a healer. Let's wake Didn't up DD moment.
0: Online kill Neverwinter uh, Nights okay, from a business, political but, uh, maybe licensing standpoint?
3: React, uh, help maybe we'll I mean,
0: Neverwinter Nights Winter. Online is maybe also a game. A it just sucks.
3: We'll need our strength.
0: <laughs> it's just not the best one, okay. and I'm just saying that again, but comparing it to, to like Neverwinter Nights Two. It has it. less features.
3: Just yesterday, I had been seducing a young noble, luring him to my master's lair. Since then, I've been kidnapped by mind flayers, chased through hell by dragons, and fallen from the sky. And
0: Sick memes, my dude said. Yo, cool uh, video with the term idea. Will you ever plan on doing a boomer game ESO? Yeah. No, I'm going to do a review on it this year.
3: Boomer game
0: ESO. It's weird because it does kind of come across as a boomer game sometimes because I feel like a lot of the fan base who plays it in the same way like the fan base that plays Swotor, no offense, is I feel like it's either like furries or boomers a lot of the time. Like when I look at my comments, that's just what I get. I'm not saying all of you guys who like those games or play those games actively are one of those, but I'm just saying like categorically those are the those are the most common things I see.
3: I can think of my master it will be a bit furious. Be a vampire spawn uh yeah actually it's a good question can a vampire spawn even become a mind player the worm in my head might not even have an appetite for undead meat until i knew more about the tadpole i wasn't sure how much danger so there's like
0: a roll mechanic and i've been I trying to, to find understand. it for you guys but like there's a there's a part of the game where they show off like a roll mechanic here we go
2: here's a roll check or a roll on an intelligence check i should say Boom, so he, he succeeded the role. What? Oh, maybe the role was to just go to bed. Get a good sleep.
0: <laughs> but yeah, I think this game having a multiplayer mode that allows you to like customize different um, modules and areas and use the level builder, level editor, tool set system to kind of build out your own campaigns and stuff would be awesome. And I think it's still like an untapped market was my main point, you know. And I think even the MMORPGs can learn from that as well. They can have quest builders. They can have like um, encounter builders, um, maybe even raid builders and dungeon builders and things like that. Things that give players the ability to use their often infinite time in comparison to developers, because they're not beholden to things like you need to make money and make it profitable. So, like, players can just pour all their passion and time into something and make it awesome, whereas developers are obviously very restricted on the amount of time they can use for things. Oh, who's this
2: guy? a crucible's worth of blood. An intellect devourer nibbling at your ear. Glad to see my eyes deceive me. Is that Alistair? Gail. Well met.
3: So my vampire option is that I sent something off. I was certain he would taste like. That sounded like. Uh, um, I can obviously draw my weapon because I don't trust the guy.
2: Uh, well, it
0: sounded like that was Alistair.
3: Speechless. <laughs> Might be
2: the shock. We went through a traumatizing experience. If an instructive one.
3: That's in it? it. By trauma, he referred to the thing they put in my eye. Yes.
2: The ocular penetration divinity technically attack, has a permadeath option being snuffed like strands of weave caught in dead magic is that what the Not tactician mention, mode has you're staring at me like a rashimi on a blackboard
0: i played tactician but i don't remember mm-hmm. if is it was it right like permadeath mode or how uh, that worked
3: um, exactly i can obviously just decide to feed um but um, i will tell him that i don't take kindly to insult
0: yeah so i think overall i mean I'm going to say positive things, largely right now, because obviously a lot of it's kind of like speculation. But yeah, largely positive things. I'm looking forward to see more about Baldur's Gate 3 and uh, Riot Games' Valorant. Um, obviously, as more of that story unfolds, we'll learn more about it. Um, there is a article I did want to dive into a little bit, kind of like a... Maybe a bit of a troll article, but... Uh, if you guys have any questions you'd like to ask me now, go ahead and do that because I'll open up the floor to any of your questions about anything. Just ask me about whatever. <laughs> I wanted to go over this uh, article that I saw um, from usgamer.net where it said, Bethesda was surprised how few people wanted to take part in PvP and Fallout 76. <laughs> All right, so check this out. Well, I mean, at the end of the day, our intention was always we're going to put out this or we're going to put this out there and see what folks think and then cater the stuff that we do later to their reaction, a.k.a. We were going to release an unfinished game and then kind of finish it out in the direction that we needed to finish it out in. (laughs) So, uh, for example, I think we were a little bit surprised how few people wanted to take part in PvP and how many more they were interested in PvE together as opposed to I want to test my meadow against you and let's get into a duel. There's some folks who do, don't get me wrong, but I think it's a smaller percentage of our player base than we thought. So, like, I hate whenever I see these kind of responses from, from developers because, honestly, at this point, it's like, it's 2020. Like, you can, I'm not saying it's an easy process to understand how to deal with, you know, people just, like, sharking and cannibalizing your weaker, newer players. But I'm saying, like, it's a it's a common reality of life as well. So, like, we have so many case studies and examples in real life and in video games of games trying multiple different ways and, and multiple different methods of trying to control for things like that. And I think it's just, like, a lot of the time, like, you look at a developer and they, they do their best, like, first effort, which isn't even doing research and homework and studying other models, other ways of punishing players who do stuff like that. Uh, other ways of incentivizing players for example who want to take part in pvp because how do you make players take part in pvp i'll tell you the number one thing and i can tell you from experience as a pvper um as someone who started as a role player and then became a pvper and then also as somebody who pvps in real life like uh, in martial arts as i talked about before and talked about at length many times is like you have to get people comfortable like they have to be comfortable And if it's just right to the deep end, like all of a sudden someone shows it at the gym and they just have to like fight all out. Like, of course, they're not going to enjoy the experience because it's not made for them to enjoy. But if you could, in a video game context, create an experience that allows people to kind of get somewhat of the experience of PvPing maybe, but in a safer environment, like factions are a good, effective way of doing that. But the problem with factions are that people just rely on them ultimately Instead of it's just it's like a one part of your game, people build their game around just being factions, which I think has problems uh, and takes away a lot of gameplay uh, experiences that are cool. But um, anyway, I think that the point here is is that I'm so tired of developers having this kind of response where it's like, oh, we just didn't know how to make people want to PvP more. Where it's like, well, I can tell you a couple of things. You have to give them reasons. It has to be more than just like griefing people. Because while some people will do that, A lot of people just won't even take the risk if if they don't think the risk is worth it. So like if it's just a matter of you have to declare war on the certain person, but it costs all these resources and takes all this time. Like if it's too great of a barrier to pass, then the player won't be interested in it. And if it's too easy, then people will just do it ad nauseum, which is what happens in games like rust and Ark and games that have off uh, offline AFK rating. But I think that it's just, um, whenever you take out the NPCs in the game what kind of what did you really expect to happen? Like the only thing that players can do is interact with each other, except that they don't know if the other players are good, bad and what their expectations are. And also because the world itself isn't dangerous enough, it's not making players be forced to work together. And to me, that's like a big thing in Fallout 76 was like there needs to be a bigger reason in a game in a game called Fallout <laughs> for you guys to want to band together. and and maybe not just kill each other you know what i'm saying like because if it's if there's no threat out in the world let's say it's just empty there's no big mutants there's no mirror luke's there's no um death claw there's no you name it insert random fallout monster mutated monster if there's none of that and it's just people then it just seems kind of like walking dead with other zombies right it's just like a, a drama big drama show and kind of like um it's a different kind of environment i think But the cool thing about Fallout is you have that ever persistent threat of the real world like warped and in this post-apocalyptic like crazy environment where like mutants have uh, sprouted up and there's like things that are like massively enlarged and a bunch of dangerous ghouls and crazy wartime people who still are in the same mindset as they were before. Like I think those are the cool aspects of Fallout and it's um, a shame that Fallout 76 are a game that was trying to have an online audience with a Fallout game, which is what I talked about when I covered um, Fallen to Earth, which was kind of like a, a spin-off Fallout game from a different developer that was an online game that I thought um, obviously had some uh, problems. The engine was ancient, and it's currently being redone right now by Little Orbit. Um, they're also trying to work on re- uh, redoing the engine or porting the engine from APB Over to 3.5 from 3.0 because that was not a very good engine for them. Um, But we'll see because the problem with um, Fallen Earth is it was proprietary code. So it was like an original code, which means it's kind of spaghetti, I'm sure, and has some problems. It's not something that they can just easily iterate on because it wasn't their code. They're unfamiliar with it. Um, But anyway. I think that Fallout 76 was kind of like that opportunity to see if we could have like a a Fallout world where it's dangerous and you're forcing players to work together because in Rust, you know, Rust had the same problem. Like Ark is probably the best off in that sense because you had dinos and dinos could actually kill you. But even then, like dinos were exploitable. There was ways around that. People started flying and stuff like that. So there's like ways that people kind of ultimately can get around things. But um, the, the idea with Fallout is that the, the world is always dangerous. So there's always going to be threats and mutants attacking and um, big, you know, cockroaches and massive bugs that are enlarged by the uh, uh, the um, the uh, radiation and stuff. Like, that's kind of what I, at least, was expecting. But instead, you got some wonky, aimbot-looking, uh, <laughs> aimbot-looking uh, VAT system that just looks like it's I mean, come on, again, this is like a a thing where it's like you're a massive developer, big corporation, and you're doing things like it's the first time they've been done. And what I mean by that is it's a concept in like uh, technology, but also just in business where it's like you don't have to reinvent the wheel. So it's like if someone's done something before, take a look at what they did right, what they did wrong and try and kind of adapt your own idea concerning that. So it's like you don't have to always think like, oh, well, we're going to do it our own way. So we're going to do it this way when sometimes your own way at that point, is kind of outdated. Like people have already come up with newer ideas um, and them not having enough of a persistent threat concerning the world, I think is the big reason why not more people wanted to work together um, to play together. And then when it comes to PVP, the, the, the threat has to be big, but there also has to be a big enough reward for people to want to PVP. And I think that that's one of those things that you have to balance. And ultimately, the truth of the matter is, any time you have a game that has PvPers and PvEers, and I hate referring to them as if they're two different species, because a lot of them overlap, surprisingly, right? In fact, we'd argue that statistically, since we don't know exactly how many are hardcore PvPers or how many are hardcore Raiders, but statistically, they're often um, usually in games like Wildstar. The, the games we do have statistics in, WoW, um, Final Fantasy XIV, are a very low percentage of the population. Uh, we know that so it's like okay so who's the biggest percentage of the population they're going to be players who are playing all the content right like they're they're not just going to be doing one thing they're probably going to be dabbling in whatever and i think that that um um i I don't know it's it's gotten to the point where it's like with a game like fallout 76 obviously i don't think that that game's going to be fixed or or whatever else but for me, talking about this article is less about talking about Fallout 76 and how they're going to fix you know their game at this point, because I don't think they can really. Too much has been wronged, and also they've kind of pissed their audience off, but I also think that um, it's more so annoying to, like I said, see mechanics being done in games, and it seems as if like people think that they're the first time a mechanic was done. It's like, you don't have to think that way. Like I get it from an artistic standpoint, you want to isolate yourself in your mind so you don't get like not corrupted, because it sounds weird, but like too influenced by other people's ideas. Right? You want to have some of your own original thought. There's no such thing truly as original thought, but anyway. um, You want some more of your original thought. <clears throat> but I think at the end of the day, um, <laughs> uh, that's just my opinion of it. If you're making a looter shooter RPG, maybe look at what the larger success... For example, Anthem should have been aware of what Destiny was doing. Yeah, exactly. And that's a good example. Is like, in the more egregious examples, there's ones where it's just like you're straight up ignoring your competition. But there's there's more kind of subtle ones. Like, for example, if you have uh, a PvP mechanic like New World, right? Let's talk about New World and people are getting griefed and ganked and stuff. Like, how do you fix that? Well, it's not just an easy problem to fix. But the, pro- but the thing is, is that there is solutions. It's just that you can't just pick one and think that that's enough. And I see that happen so often in games that are still coming out to this day where it's like... Their criminal system is still just, like, one mechanic, and it's like, the real world doesn't function like that. So how in the heck are you thinking you're going to stop people in a video game from doing crime, right? From, From doing crime, right? Like, crime as in, like, ganking people and murdering people in the game and stuff like that. But, like, you have to have multiple systems. There has to be multiple things going on. It can't just be, like, well, we slap you on the wrist because players will find a way around that it can't just be well we'll have a bounty hunter system well players will find a way to exploit that well it'll we'll have safe zones well then you ruin a lot of the um atmosphere and the experience for a lot of other players who actually want a little bit of the danger when you could have things like maybe like roaming npcs that help out you could have guards um games do guards and do them you know quite effectively to where they even patrol and stuff like that there's uh, you could have alerts whenever crime happens. Um, where the guards are sent en route, but also other players are incentivized to go attack those players and and, and get their loot or whatever else. Like, there's so many different ways that go into designing a game around having a PvP system that works. I think it's just, like, at the end of the day, no matter how casual your PvP system is, it's never truly going to be casual. And what I mean by that is that, like, a full loot game, yeah, is pretty hardcore in comparison, right, to, like, Fortnite, where, yeah, it's full loot, but every game gets reset, so it doesn't really matter, ultimately. Like So, like, progression, like, long-term progression full loot versus just, like, one match of full loot. It's a pretty big difference. But then you look at a game like that's just, like, is about getting arena points or is about getting battleground tokens, and that's going to seem probably not nearly as hardcore as losing all of your stuff when you die in a battle, right? So, So, but even with that being said there's still a big percentage of the audience who plays a game that has battlegrounds and you farm battleground tokens who still sees it as being hardcore. You see what I'm saying? Does that make sense? So it's like ultimately PVPing in general is going to be seen by a majority of players, the people who focus on it as being hardcore, just like focus on uh, focusing on PVE and being a raid centric uh, player makes you a minority as well. So if you're a PVP centric player, Or a PVE centric player, technically for both of those, you're a minority player just because you're a hardcore player, just by like statistics, right? When you're hardcore at something, hardcore doesn't mean top 50%, right? (laughs) Hardcore doesn't mean top 30%. Like, hardcore typically is going to mean like top 5%. You're talking like top 10%, top 20%, depending on your kind of definition ultimately, but like it's going to be like the lower percents that are less amount of people that are going to be willing to do things like savage primal or super hard mythic mode dungeon or whatever else right it's always going to be a small percentage of players but like the reason why pve in those environments doesn't get as much flack as pvp does um overall uh, pve gets flack in the sense of like builds and meta and because it's more rigid in that respect so like don't get me wrong like hardcore pve and like pve meta game politics there is problems with like you know you need to play this build and you need to play this build and do it this way like there is a little bit of that but i think ultimately i can even admit as a pvp player um you know who prefers pvp over pve usually unless it's both combined um which i do like them being combined but um as a pvp you know i would say more so a pvp fan i I would like that you know i would like that uh opportunity as well to um hardcore PvEers get flack for giving people shit for doing poorly yeah for sure and but PvP I I have to admit like my point being is I have to admit that it is it is problematic like there is kind of a lot more negative that goes with it but my argument isn't that oh just nut up buttercup cuz a lot of people have that kind of perspective where it's just like we'll just take it and that sometimes works in hell in martial arts sometimes you can just tell people after they get punched in the face or kneed or whatever else hey dude just just take it right, and come back and get stronger. That works for some people, right? Some people are like, "Yeah, I'm through a- this. Like, I'm gonna come back stronger." Like, yeah. But other people are like, "Man, what the? I didn't like that experience at all. I'm not coming back here." And so, like, that's at the end of the day, you're not gonna divorce from the fact that when it comes to a PvP game, you're always going to have that level of like, somebody has to, especially if it's like a one v one game. And that's why I think the fighting game community is so like hardcore uh, competitive. Is like it's very personal. It's you versus another person. You can't really blame your teammates. Maybe you can blame the characters, and some people do that, but like, you have no one else to blame but yourself, so it kind of requires you to get beat up a lot, just like martial arts does, in order to get good. And so I think PvP's biggest problem is the fact that in order to get good at it, you have to be willing to lose and get beat up, essentially. Um, and PvE's biggest problem is because the meta is a little bit more closed off, because most pve centric games aren't sandbox pve style like they're more like here is a boss here's the one way you beat them here are their mechanics they're not dynamic they don't change they're not like there's not a bunch of different versions of the same like generally speaking you're getting the same experience every time you do it you're just kind of racing against the time the clock getting better dps timers or, or charts or whatever else and all of that stuff but like the negative with pve comes from the fact that it is very kind of formulaic in some respects until they come out with new content you're always waiting for the next new content to come out i think that obviously there's some ways to possibly combat that but again it's one of those things where it's like ultimately speaking technology wise right now it's hard for us to combat it though there are some ideas of course of being able to give players like the ability to make their own and vote on their own raids and dungeons and have developers approve them and assign rewards to them like there's There's certain ideas that have been attempted and done before that I think could help um, with PvE in that respect. Also, games that have a lot more customization, like Guild Wars 1, there was a lot less of a meta in terms of PvE in that game. So, like, if you add a lot more choice and option in the game, it also can kill what a meta is. It's easy to have a meta in a game that has, like, 8, 9, 10 classes, right? But have a meta in a game that has, like, 100 different combinations, it's like... Yes, there's going to be a meta ultimately, and you guys know my opinion about meta. I'm not going to rant about it today, but um, but you get my point. So, like, I think that there's ways to fix PvP's biggest problems and PvE's biggest problems. But I think it's just, at this point, it's a bit silly to be like, wow, we're so surprised that people didn't want to do PvP in our game that's just designed to be very safe. It's like, that's why people are so worried about uh, New World, is that they're worried that it went too much into the other direction to where it's going to be too safe, if you will. And I think that that's a a legit concern because if your only incentive to flag up in PvP is just as it's being reported currently, um, 10% experience boost, it's just, it's not going to be enough for most players to want to risk dying. And so it's just like, I think, is there an an easy way ultimately to uh, expose a player to PvP? I think within the entire market, yes. There's games like Warhammer Online, which... Um, still has a private server Lazy Peon just did a video on it I recommend that game to people all the time who are new to PvP whenever they ask me like hey man I want to get into PvP and I'm not sure what to play I tell them hey if you'd like a good entry game and people come back to me and give me good reviews but then I tell them I said hey if you'd like a good entry game go try out um, Warhammer Online why do I recommend Warhammer Online this old game the reason is, is because each class has a distinctive identity each class has a multitude of like simple um, but you know, cool to understand, or sorry, it's not simple, but has simple but hard to master um, rotations. I would argue, and also the game from one to eleven allows you to PvP almost immediately and is pretty fun at that. At PvPing early on, so it's like you don't lose a whole lot when you get killed because you just get killed and you respawn. You go back into the battleground or you're into a, you're in an RVR lake in a tier one zone. You run out. Boom! Get some kills. You die. Huh, who cares? You just run right back out there. So, like, I like recommending that game because there's not a whole big barrier to entry. It doesn't require like an insane amount of skill. Don't get me wrong. There's a skill cap. You can definitely like destroy people. I was on my like level three ironbreaker getting like eleven killing blows a a match. Like you can still even as a lower level player because of the bolster mess people up because you have good positioning and because you know when to spam abilities. Basically, but um, I think uh, at the same time. It's not as big as an, uh, a barrier as one of my favorite games ever, Darkfall, which is unfortunately slowly dying, but I'd love to play with that with you guys as a community sometime just to show you why it was so cool. But um, yeah, I think um, I think that's kind of why I recommend Warhammer Online a lot to PvP fans, or sorry, p- people who are new to PvP, um, because it's like, that's a good way to kind of get involved slowly into the scene. So the reason why I brought up that is because maybe it's not necessarily like possible in every game that has pvp maybe even some hardcore pvp games for them to always have the same kind of concept as warhammer does right within the game if that's not the game's desire to have all of that kind of safeguards but it is in my opinion the developer's job to make sure that it is accessible to people you need pvp to be accessible by players otherwise you're just going to create this gulf and it's going to be the sheeps wolves or the wildebeest you know Lion situation we've talked about before, and I think that that's just going to create this big gap, this gulf, as I mentioned, between the different player groups, and you section them uh, kind of off by themselves, basically. Like the PVPers stick together; everyone else is kind of off on their own. And I think that you've got there's there's a lot that goes into it, but you have to ultimately um, allow PvP to be accessible enough to new players; otherwise, you're just not going to get new combatants. So think about it this way, Darkfall has a big map, you know sixty four kilometers squared um let's say on I could tell you guys from experience, ten thousand players in that game was like pretty nice population you're getting you're running into players pretty frequently, you even have big battles, hundred players uh multiple hundred players, like hundreds of players, and keep battles and stuff like that. It was a decent population when the game kind of died down to like three k it was still relatively good like there was, there was some spots you could go that were kind of empty. Um, But, you know, generally speaking, the majority of the big cities had a lot of players, but then you drop the game to like a thousand population and then you drop it into two different time zones and then you drop it down to 500 players, 300 players. And then you start kind of realizing like, man, some of these games that are built like this, they're also just really hard to play because they've created these problems of not getting in enough new players coming into the game. So they've slowly bled out their players to where it's just like it's a slow process for some of these games because they have diehard players, hardcore players. Um, But it just slowly dies out and it's just. um,
2: It's sad, but it's what my series is about, right? I'm ready to
0: try New World. I hope it's fun. I'm ready as well. I also have my doubts card, but I'm ready to try it
2: as well. One of my favorite things in a MMO pin
0: zero works is like when I'm going to farm somewhere and I'm like also as I'm farming I have my sound on because I'm, I'm wondering if someone's going to come gank me and like that was my dark my, my dark fall experience it was just awesome where it was like for some people was it scary yes it was scary but scary is fun sometimes guys why do we ride scary rides why do we you know go really fast in a car why do we Why do we watch scary movies? Like, sometimes we do things just because also the fear excites us. So like, whenever I'd be out and about, and maybe I'd do a solo run. And that was one of my favorite things to do for to get my adrenaline pumping was solo runs in a PK game. Like, a game where you can get fully killed and looted and they can take all your stuff. Like, try playing those games alone as a PKer. You know, as I told you guys the term before, is usually a solo PKer, they call it. Um, It's someone who just goes out and player kills other PvPers, basically um he's the assassin of the assassin but um that kind of playstyle, it is like one of the most exhilarating playstyles you will ever play because you don't have anybody to really rely on you don't have your duo to bail you out of everything you don't have your big group to help you you don't have your big zerg to always back you up like it's kind of just you out there and you have to be careful because like i'd be at certain zones farming like uh, they were called gray orcs and i'd be farming these gray orcs and farming these gray orcs But then every now and then I'd always have to make sure to loot all of the corp or loot all of the loot on the corpses. Otherwise the corpse wouldn't disappear and I had to skin it as well. So I I did that every single time to make sure the tombs would disappear. So other players wouldn't see them. And And so after a while I got good at doing that to where sometimes players would show up and not even know I'm there. And so I would just hide, wait for them to start fighting the mobs and then I would jump in and start killing them. And so like my thing was like, I played as a player who was like, I'm just opportune like I'm just trying to get the most loot and 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 the the best loots that was my kind of play style like whenever I was doing that PK style it was very much just about you're hunting all the loots so you'd be farming a zone or something like that again you're doing PVE you're just you're out there farming maybe you're farming for some arrows for some gold whatever some keys rare keys whatever it is and I've done that before too Um, but another one of my favorite things to do, and I mentioned it before was I'd go to a dungeon and dungeons in that game were like a separate instance, basically, but you would load into a dungeon and generally speaking, you could hear a lot in the dungeon. The sound in that game was pretty loud, probably louder than it should be, but, um, was a really good key to know when people were sneaking up on you or when there was people in a zone and you had to hide because nameplates just weren't hanging over your head. You had to actually highlight over someone with your character and look at them. And so um, a lot of the time what I would do is uh, there was this one camp. It was called a Garter rock, And it was this big dragon. And it had to be killed with a group of players where one of you would sit in the front and block and parry the whole time. And one of you would heal that person from behind. And then the other player would just sit, uh, maybe even another player, sometimes more, but usually three. The other player would just sit in the back and hit the dragon in the back and try and kill him. And so... <laughs> One of my favorite things to do was to go kill players who were doing that. And usually the players who were doing that, by the way, were Chinese gold farmers. Because it was a really effective way to make money. And whenever people don't go to the dungeons, they're not contented. And um, since it's they're not expecting big groups to show up in this dungeon that's in the middle of nowhere, they're usually only expecting small-scale players. And maybe they would think the small-scale players either A, won't attack them, or uh, B, it wouldn't be worth the time for them. But um, for me, of course, I was like, oh, like this is a juicy situation. and. I remember being in one of those where I would be doing my estimating work. Uh, you know, I talked about construction work. I'm doing my estimating work. I've got my control. Um, uh, I've got my uh, OST file. At the time, I was using on-screen takeoff. It's called OST, but also I went into Bluebeam and a couple of other programs. Um, obviously, I use a lot of Adobe Acrobat, but, <laughs> but I'm in my OST, like, estimating software, and I'm, like, looking in penetrations on certain walls in a hospital like trying to learn how to seal or what needs to be sealed and stuff and for for like safety purposes and fire purposes and then meanwhile on my other monitor i'd have my sound turned up all the way (laughs) and my guy would just be sitting afk like hiding (laughs) he'd be hiding in the dungeon just behind like the waterfall so you couldn't see him you know and the water was loud, but I could still hear the footsteps and people spawning in. You could hear it. And also sometimes people would just start fighting and you could hear them.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: and so I would just wait and wait. And then as soon as I would hear them, then I would, I would go in and, and find my opportune moment, which was usually just waiting for them to be low or waiting for them to kind of look like they're not paying attention for a second. And I can't tell you how many times I killed people who just went AFK for like brief seconds and then boom, you would jump them. But the best like stories were the ones where you were outnumbered and the Garderok one that I was just about to tell is like, essentially I got there and um, I knew these guys were Chinese gold farmers because I knew the guild in particular. And so I was like, Oh, they're going to have keys because they were farming keys to get a bunch of gold. And, um, I showed up there immediately killed the guy that was on the dragon. Cause he of course had to turn his back on me. Um, otherwise the dragon would just kill him anyway. And then the dragon turns around, kills the other guy. Uh, And then I chased the other guy down who tried to run away and killed him in the end. And then I had to run... I almost died myself. I had to run all the way away, barely survive, and then come back and loot the corpses before they got back. One of them got back, but he didn't really have anything on him, so I just killed him really quickly. But, like, that was a part of the game was, like, you had limited uh, encumbrance. So you couldn't carry everything. And so, like... (laughs) If you were a solo pker, it literally meant a lot of the time you couldn't carry all the loot that you were gonna get, and so like that was one of those scenarios where I had so much loot that I had to like put it on my mount and uh drop some of my stuff in order to just carry out that loot. Chinese gold farmer's gonna hire a hitman on you. The funny thing is is like the Chinese gold farmers in the end would hire uh, our clan and one of the other clans to just protect them, so we actually did end up helping the Chinese gold farmer. Breaking News New World is actually a machinima project by Amazon which they turn into a visual novel.
2: Yeah, I think um uh what'd you say I said uh ben zero said and
0: PvPers are toxic for killing people, aka playing the game. Yeah, no, I, it's like how dare you guys kill players. It's like yeah, um if the game is designed in this way where I can do this where there's little to no consequence, is it really my fault for doing it? or is it a lack in the game? Right? I don't know. I think there's more that goes into it than just that, right? A lot of people tried to get into Darkfall and got really intimidated because they do a horrible job of introducing new players and they've kind of categorically been bad at that. They also whenever they've relaunched the game multiple times, they keep relaunching the game with the full size of the map and they don't understand that like the map is too damn big. <laughs> The map is too damn big. What's that meme? Or the guy's like this. The thing is too damn big. It's like that meme, but it's like they don't understand that. the. It's just the map is way too big. So if you're going to do a relaunch on Steam, which I think they're eventually trying to do, which I'm going to support them when they do that. I'm going to try and advertise it a bit um, when they relaunch their game and wipe the game because Darkfall wipes are some of the most fun experiences you can possibly get. What I mean by that is like once they like wipe all the characters and you start from scratch. The early rush to level your character, to PvP, to PvE, to farm, to craft, to to build your empire is so fun in Darkfall. It's why all of us Darkfall fans who've played the game before always go back to a game that relaunches in the Darkfall universe. Because we know it's going to be so fun to play, even though we know it's not going to (laughs) last, probably. (laughs) We probably know it's not going to last, right? The rent is too damn high. There you go. That's the meme. I was trying to remember the meme. Hey, how's it going, RC Win? Here's a tip, man. Welcome back to the Nor Club. 15 months. That's crazy. UN card. Fresh starts are usually fun, especially in MMOs, right? And imagine one where you can have territory control and you can have... Um... I'll pull you guys up the map real quick. Check this out. I give these guys so much free advertising and it's just because I love the game and I love the fact that it's it's basically Quake the MMO with full loot. Okay, so here is Darkfall, and um, here is one of the maps. You can organize it by easy mobs. This will show you where all the easy mobs are and what they drop. So you click on each one of these, and it tells you it drops an eye, drops Goblin Tooth, lesser magic essence. And so as you level up your character, you'll have to kind of like start off by killing these green mobs. Um, then you'll rank up to doing these yellow mobs, which are harder to kill, take more resources, also hit you harder therefore it's always an economic battle in dark falls it 's always about making money um and then of course, after that, you eventually start getting up to hard mobs, which usually are gonna require a group to kill um mobs with unless you can kind of really do it smartly, but like you're usually gonna have a group with you to kill these, and these big you know boss mobs have like awesome drops and Lots of money, keys and treasure maps and really cool mechanics like that. There's caravans in the game. Um, there's temples and villages you can attack and and make money from. Like I'm telling you guys, when Rise of Aegon, which is the name of this version, Rise of Um, Rise of Aegon, right now, I'm not gonna sit here and, and recommend them to you. I mean it, it is a free to play game, so you could try it if you are curious um but they have talked about doing a relaunch a wipe and relaunching on steam i would wait till then but anyway i really want to do another version another launch of this game and i think i'll do it as a community guild because i'm telling you guys it's so much fun like it really is like if they told me it was launching tomorrow i'd be there ready like it's that fun anyway so then i can put the cities on here the cities and the hamlets these are actually player owned and player um, ran so say for example over here you've got um mehetil which is a city as you can tell by the little castle looking thing and it's ran by dark um and then you can scroll down over here and you can see Istarak is a hamlet uh aka like a village that's run by bloodline um and then you know, you see you can so basically like all these different um areas are owned by different uh clans. So Griefgoons is the one that I played with in um in Classic WoW. And I also played with them in uh Darkfall as well. Happy Vibes is another clan that I played a lot with as well. And so essentially the idea was like it's territory control, like each of these territories has access to certain rare things. Maybe some have a mine, some don't. Some have a um, a place, to, a lumberyard. Some have a uh, access to a rare golem. Some have access to, and so ultimately, it, what, it's not as great as it sounds because some of the loot tables on these mobs, which can be fixed if they just let people fix them, are just poor because you don't need the items that much, right? Like, there's so many different mobs and variety of mobs, but unfortunately, so many of them are just kind of useless. So. The loot tables need to be rebalanced, which I've said I would even do that shit for free. I would do that shit for free. Um, but then there's also NPC cities, and NPC cities are, are what players usually start off living in. And these are protected by guard towers. So you can't get PK'd inside one of these towns unless someone does some crazy like heal tactics, which hardly ever work. These red cities are chaos cities, which means they're lawless cities, lawless zones as well. These uh, extra islands over here are all lawless. So living on these islands are basically only reserved for red players um, or players who are ready to kill all the time. Kind of like pirates. There's a lot of pirate action going on on these islands. Staying near the blue towns is going to make sure you stay as safe as possible. Um, But even then, you never know. You might go into a dungeon and next thing you know... A player stumbles upon you. So here are the villages that I talked about. These are constantly fought over for uh, territory. Um, If you cap these, they give you access to money and resources. The problem is, is that because the game has some very key problems with A, it's power creep. Ultimately, once you're at the end, there's not a whole lot to pour your money, time, and resources into. So it just becomes one of those games where the, the end is so wide compared to the beginning that people at the end have so much money and it's not as fun to get involved in as a new player. Um, but also, like, the territory stuff, it doesn't... Um, I think what they're, what they're doing with it now is it taxes you. Basically, it gives you, over time, as you control it, extra points. So, like, theoretically speaking, controlling the territories does make sense. But I think, ultimately, their guide or their idea was to have a bunch of different villages and a tax system that overruns them like based on whatever city you own in that zone, so I know they've had some ideas. I don't know how much they've changed. I'm talking about the rise of aegon devs, but um we'll see in trust me, guys. you know I've been waiting for the opportunity to try and play a game like that with you guys, but I think um the full loot game we will end up playing first will either be between uh, runescape, which I know is only partially full loot um and then also um or albion online i think those are two of the games that are potentially on the docket this year for an mmo review and um it'll be nice to have a a switch up from going to from classic wow to guild wars to potentially final fantasy or elder scrolls and then after that going to a full loot uh, game that allows you to actually steal people's stuff like it'll be a fun experience and i'm hoping that i can turn some of you skeptical pvp fans or maybe even just skeptical fans in general um to come to the dark side and try some full loot pvp yeah wait to steam release because of the population surge but Rogue 9 like the truth of the matter is is like if i took a group like let's say i took 20 of you guys and we went to darkfall right now and we just like tested out the pve and went somewhere and kind of like chilled out on our own we probably could do that And I'm not completely against it. We could just, like, go to a little island and, like, train up and just practice with each other. And, like, test out the game's mechanics and stuff. And still have fun, like, crafting and and PvPing with each other. And even killing mobs. But I'm going to tell you guys. The thing about having a game that has a high skill cap. Especially one that's, like, basically you're a Quake player. Is that there's going to be really good players. And really good players who have not stopped playing. I'm, I'm going to put it bluntly, guys. I'm trying to protect you guys. That's why we don't just go play Rise of Aegon right now. I'm trying to protect you guys. Because the amount of time and effort it would take for me to get you guys up to a fighting like level against these players... I mean... We're talking like... Unless you're dedicated and really willing to duel and group duel all the time. I mean... We're talking, it would take months, guys. Like, it's a high skill cap. And th- and that's the thing, is, is, like, if I go and look at some combat,
2: and I'll show you guys, like, Darkfall, it's just, it's a bit of a different beast, you know. I'm trying to find a more recent. BG, big picture. Alright. It's just, the truth of the matter is,
0: Olympos, whether people want to admit it, uh, the fact that people die in a PvP game pisses them off enough. The fact that they could get full looted in this game, I just think that a lot, a lot of the time is going to piss a lot of people off. They're going to want to quit. So what we're watching here is, like I said, it's basically Quake the MMO. Um, these guys are magicians or magic users, so they're like f- flying around using their spells and physics to like bunny hop and jump and do a bunch of crazy stuff right there. He's shooting rays, which are hit scan in the guy's back. Here he's trying to charge up one of his nukes. There he knocks the guy up in the air. Um, so these are like, yeah, these are magic users, and it's basically like I said, it's like Quake the MMO. Um, these are the kind of players you guys would be subjected to immediately. And I, and I'm not saying that like to just be like, oh, all you guys suck. Like, I'm sure some of you guys are beasts. But it doesn't matter when you're going against guys who literally the sweatiest guys you will ever see and smell in your whole life. Like, I'm telling you that from personal experience. Like, the funny thing about this is like some of the old guys who used to play Darkfall went on to be pro players in other games. <laughs> like, like I've told people about um, Kai Kai was an old school player who went on to be a pro player on C9 for a long time and like he was a big uh Darkfall player. Like a lot of the Darkfall players were old CS players, were like Quake players. Like it's just a lot of um skill and talent going on in Darkfall, but again, it has so many flaws that unless you just get off on the fact that you're just a god at the game, which some people do, um you're not going to have as much fun unless you have a group to play with. And they have problems with player retention, so having a group to play with in the first place is difficult. I'm not saying it's impossible, but I put it this way: if you guys, if you guys called me out and said, and like enough of you guys told me you were interested in trying it, and they were people that I actually knew would show up and not just say it, maybe I would do a run through Aegon. But at the same time, I, we could just see that as practice for whenever they're going to do a Steam launch. So we could just ha- play a little bit till we get bored, and then whenever they do the Steam launch, come back to the game. This time ready. This time practiced. And uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of territory control games, guys. And I love PvP games that allow you to control territory. Here, uh, they're actually fighting over a uh, city. Or a village, I should say. Uh, Hamlet is the technical name. And that thing you saw on the ground over there is a siege stone. So if someone de- destroys that siege stone, um, it destroys the uh, siege itself. But um, that's why they're having this big battle there. They're trying to protect the siege stone. But if you attack the um, uh, Bindstone and you destroy the Bindstone of the village, or Hamlet rather, or city, then you can cap the city or the uh, village. I keep saying village. I mean Hamlet. damn. <clears throat> I love PvP, but I know what you mean. It's people playing dead games, perfecting them to an insane degree. And that's the thing. Is like I- I'm not going to sit here and say all of you guys need to be like Quake-level FPS players to be any good at this game. Um, but you'd have to be accepting of that does that make sense like so if if one of you was like well i'm not a quake-esque player i can't land all these crazy nukes well then okay we'll get ready to play a support kind of player then and i think it's just like sometimes it's people's ego they want to play a certain way it doesn't work also again a big part of these games is they never get taught so a lot of players go in and they don't get taught how to play um that's why like um there have been some big guilds that have had really good efforts in the past. Whenever we've done the relaunch, um, we got the game up at one point to 3,000 players. But it just so many of the same problems play the game. But there were some clans that did a lot of recruiting and taught a lot of players. And it did help a lot. I, so I saw that firsthand. So I, and I have even helped players myself in this game. So I, I know firsthand like how you start and learn the experience is ultimately the king in a lot of older MMOs especially. Um, the ones that require you to play together. But at the same time, yeah, I just explaining my reasoning to you guys why I've never just jumped at the offer to go play this game with you guys is it's because man, it would take it'd be awesome because it would take a team effort, which is what makes MMOs for me fun. But um it would be a very kind of like visceral and right on the nose, punched right on the nose experience in some cases, we'd have to just learn the old-fashioned way, getting beat up. Um but one thing's for sure, we do need to do a classic run of a game. Problem is, is whenever we've tried doing some in the past, I always get players who quit. And I think the problem with that has been primarily that I haven't played the games that I find fun enough on their own. Like when I play by myself primarily. And so I'm thinking maybe instead of like putting efforts into Warhammer Online, which we've tried before, which always goes fun for a while, but then we always have just not enough um, people interested to keep playing. But, like a game like Star Wars Galaxies, I think would be better because it requires a lot of group coordination and a lot of group play. So, Galaxies could be an option. Obviously, um, I think EverQuest Project 1999 could be an option. I'd rather play Darkfall than that, though, to be honest, because the PvE in this game is also challenging. Um, we're not seeing any of it right now because obviously these guys have like super duper maxed characters and Rise of Aegon has pretty easy progression compared to how Darkfall has been in the past and unfortunately the other Darkfall got destroyed if that other Darkfall was still around the new Dawn version that has like nobody playing it uh, or had nobody playing it for a while we could have just joined that one and joined like empty server you know because it would have been an empty server we could have used it as a playground but they obviously let the game down cuz nobody was playing right now this probably like Probably not very many people playing this game. Let's see what the forums are saying. You can heal in this game, by the way, but it still requires you to aim. So that's one of those things where it's kind of like there's different playstyles and different ways to beat better players in this game with like worse players if you're better coordinated. And so that, that that's why like I'm, not, I'm there are some bangers in chat. Like I know some guys in chat right now um, and who are watching who are, they're pretty good PvPers, but. Um, If you think Guild Wars 2 PvP is hard.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Wait till you get to uh, Darkfall, man. Alright, so we've got... Not a whole lot of activity, right? New player
0: new player review returning from 2009 some guy saying game over <laughs> they added a lot more safe zones into the game actually you know what that might make it the best time to try right now actually because there's safe zones in the game I forgot about that all right so let me go figure this out look at me trying to find any way to play uh, Darkfall guys I know I can get at least a couple of you guys to try it with me. I know that.
2: All right, so where are the where are the patches at and stuff. You guys, updated your stuff.
0: So this was a legit patch. Is this the one where they added the? Um I, I might just Google it. Darkfall, Rise of Aegon, Safe Zone. Speaking of Guild Wars 2, have you messed around with the new patch at all? Yes, I have actually. Um not a, not terribly a lot, just because it, the patch is it's only two V two right now in ranked. And two V two for me just it's kind of fun, but I haven't really had a good teammate to play with, so I'm having games where I'm doing like seventy percent of the damage. And it's like, even when I win, it just feels like, I mean, it's not my idea of fun all the time, right? Like having to do a lot of the damage. And of course, I'm playing a Necro, but I've even had games where I've played my, um, my little condition, uh, my condition, uh, Revenant build, which is also really good. And I kind of predicted that I expected it cause it's a hybrid build. And I've, I
2: think hybrid builds got buffed with the, with the power nurse. All right, so where are these safe zones at? Here we go. Okay, so here's that update.
0: And here's how they changed um, some of the PvP. So maybe this actually could make it more appealing for some of you guys to jump in. PvP changes. There are three main components that come together to change how players approach PvP in Rise of Aegon. So now we've got PvP looting. Some areas have no loot. Some have partial loot. Some have full loot. Partial loot means you can not lose stuff in your paper doll, like on your inventory. Um, but in your, your bag or whatever else, like your backpack, you can lose stuff. Full loot, obviously. Goes without saying. Um, stance is peaceful. Blue players with a peaceful stance will not be damaged or affected by physics from other players if within a, a capital area. Then there's neutral. Neutral means that you can engage in combat with other players that have neutral or a hostile stance on, and it's mainly used for things like siege mechanics. Dying in the zone has different loot rules than peaceful and hostile. And then there's hostile, which is players with a hostile stance will drop all loot no matter where they are, and are attackable by anyone, even in the capital area. To remove hostile stance, a player must pray at a church with enough gold. That's basically like being red player. Changing to hostile can only be done outside of a city. Okay, cool. And so here's the, the game, basically. It's like Everything out here means all these zones are lawless and all the loot can be dropped. So the red zones, all loot can be dropped. Yellow means that you can drop some of your loot, the loot in your inventory. And blue means you can't drop any of your loot. So basically the end game zones are kind of going to be reserved to the red zones. Um, and then the yellow zones are going to be everything else in between pretty much. Blue being very early zone. They've also got a research system, which is basically copy-pasted from um, uh, Eve Online, which Eve Online, of course, was the ability to um, uh, train your skills offline. This game has that as well. Um, I think that there's a lot uh, positive enough to get at least a month enjoyment out of the experience. (laughs) (laughs) Um, let's see what they said about new player experience down here. It's also going to be free, and I feel like that's a big reason for you guys to want to join me, usually, is whenever a game is free. Um, this freemium full launch. The patch also marks the full launch of freemium. We've made a few changes to the freemium system thanks to feedback we've received from players over the last several months. So, you can, people can also play for free. I can tell you for sure it's going to be less than 1,000 players. There's no way the game has more than 1,000 players right now. A Steam launch would be more than 1,000 players. And that's a big reason why I was saying a Steam launch would be cool to experience. But I also think that the PvE experience and the crafting experience in this game is fun enough to where if we forego PvP for a good portion of the time, it'd still be okay. And not to mention, because the game's PvP is both Quake and also a big Siege game, Big scale PvP is awesome and everything and and unfortunately going to be severely lacking. But small scale PvP is also still really fun. It's just, again, it's more niche. And it's it's less of like you're running around in the world and you're going to find PvP in Darkfall these days. It's more of you go to key locations and key loot spots and that's when you're going to find PvP. So it it feels more like it's a squad based game, if that makes sense. So it is different uh, because of the population being lower. Um, but I think that them making it free and then doing a relaunch on Steam could help them a lot. But look at me giving them so much
2: help. I've said this before, but I will never be good at PvP and
0: M- uh, MMOs. I just can't outsmart or outplay people. I am very straight thinking when it comes to combat in any game. Um, It's also why I'm bad at poker and strategy games. Yeah, um I think that there's ways to be good at PVP without having to be the best aimer or with without having to be
2: the best
0: killer. You know what I'm saying? I I think it's just like you have to have like certain expectations of what kind of roles you want to fulfill. And and I think that um that's one thing that people like about kind of Holy Trinity games, but where Darkfall I think is unique in that sense is that they offer um different utility that appeals to players who don't just want to have to hold on to a button to heal their teammate or just look at their teammate and they can just heal them perfectly if you're looking for the kind of game where you can actually like aim and stuff i think it's actually pretty good at that um what's funny is um i think my account in raise of, uh right sorry rise of i i talk uh rise of agon still exists my account still exists i still have referral coins and i've actually referred a lot of users i've referred
2: uh 334 users not bad eh my name is also really funny and trolly <laughs>
0: um hmm. yeah i wonder why they're not going to do a steam launch anytime soon their numbers can't be doing that great if they're. I'm going to read their update, their most recent update. Anyway, uh, feel free to ask me some questions right now, guys. I'm, I'm going to close things up in like another 10 minutes or so if things start to quiet down. What's the story on the Term Traveler series? So the story is basically um, I've wanted to have a production studio and a company since I was a young kid. Um, Same thing with building a game and building a game development studio. Like I've always wanted these things since I was young. And so with my YouTube channel, I kind of like a bit of luck and a bit of randomness. And I ended up in a position where I kind of do started to do a lot of journalistic work and work that I think does a lot of good for the for the market as well. So it's like I kind of have a certain philosophy about how to do things, how to approach things. And I figured I can't cover everything because I don't know everything first off. And I don't have the time to study everything. So I need to find other content creators who maybe have like a similar mindset to me and like, my core beliefs of doing work and trying to do it um, as diligently as possible. and and And, you know, putting our best foot forward and trying to actually like whenever we're covering a topic, don't just jump at the reaction, but try and actually tell a story and be informative. And Joshua, who actually had worked with me um, uh, as an editor before on a couple of my uh, scripts, he um, is somebody that was trying to make content himself. And so we thought of the idea of like, well, it, why not try this idea out of bringing in another content creator to make more content that's a different style of content and maybe even a different series and bringing in with someone that you've already kind of trusted and you've already worked with before. So that was kind of the idea. And I obviously... Um, am not just a death of a game guy. I have other series and, and ideas, but I just can't do them yet. I don't have enough time, don't have enough workforce, don't have enough you know manpower, money that that sort of thing. But um, that was one of those ideas. Like term travel was an idea that we came up with partly in chat, like actually talking with um people like Rippies and Discord, but also just talking, um, you know, like thinking of my own idea of the, the idea of like having a video game terminology series because there's a severe lacking in clarity over a lot of terminology especially in video games and so like it's difficult sometimes to have conversations about games because people are having different conversations and sometimes goal posts get moved and players will start to move goal posts even though most of the time the goal posts get moved it's just helping the developers so, like if developers say 100 players equals an mmo does that help players or does that hurt players compared to an mmo saying they have a thousand players capable I mean, like, the, the MMO that wants to say that they have 100 players and they're still an MMO wants that to be the case because they clearly, they're not, right? So they still want to be taken seriously as one and, and don't want the negative of not being one, right? But I think terminology matters. And so we we came up with the Term Travel series, um, and I, I, I thought that, you know, um, Term Traveler, or Joshua, as he goes by, um, his name, um, would be good for the role i thought he'd be good for that series and um, like i said i can't do every series myself and i even think his voice is better for a series like that than mine is so yeah that's kind of like the story behind it yeah and then it's also like it's more consistent content another series added to the channel the idea is that we're going to keep adding series and more series over time which means we're going to add more content creators until eventually we branch out big enough to where we can start doing kind of more ambitious content like documentaries and travel blogs and conventions and live content and all that stuff. I did the same thing when we were doing Warhammer Community Challenge too. It's why I went Witch Hunter when we were playing out our group. Oh yes, the MTG MMO allowing the whole three people to play it at once. <laughs> or that mobile game that they labeled as an MMORPG and it's offline. That was hilarious, dude. It was like mobile online RPG, and then at the uh, at the little like uh, small text, it said offline.
2: <laughs> what?
0: Not a good year to go to conventions with all the fear mongering with Corona. Yeah, no,
2: probably not. But they'll bounce back, man. I'm confident. Yeah,
0: I'm, I'm trying to see like what is the what's the roadmap right now for Rise of Aegon. Are they just gonna let this thing die out? Because my fear, guys, is that if I wait for them to release it on Steam, I'll never get the chance to make videos about it or cover it again. Because then, what if it never makes it to Steam and it dies before then?
2: That's one of my fears.
0: It's like, it's like going to an old theme park, you know, like a, like you hear like six flags is about a shutdown or whatever theme park you guys have near you and you want to
2: go there before it shuts down, you know, I'm trying to look through right now and read on the
0: forum. So sorry about that. I think the fear is justified. Yeah, I mean, there's, rear, there's real fear to be had about having a bad sickness,
2: right? Yeah, for sure,
0: Daedalus. And um, by the way, feel free to say goodbye now, guys. And And I should do a better job of telling you guys who don't want to just stick around and and shoot the shit with me and talk to me. You can always like leave earlier on once the news portion, once the main discussion parts are done. But if you want to stay and talk to me, or watch me, or politic with me, uh, ask me questions, that sort of thing, then feel free. You went to Galaxy's Edge? That That's so cool, man. I'd love to go to Galaxy's Edge. I'm a big Star Wars hom- homer, obviously. So I'd love to go check it out. Yeah, I find a lot of people were chilling at work, so some of them don't mind, but I want to start saying goodbye earlier on to people, so if they're, like, if they feel like I have to really satisfy their level of quality, like, boom, 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 like podcast style, I want them to know, like, at that point off, I'm like, alright, I'm just chilling now. Does that make sense? Because like, a stream and a podcast, for me, they're kind of, like, interwoven together, like, they're kind of the same thing, but
2: they're they're not, they're different.
0: Yeah, I'm trying to find some more information about this game. There's, like, there's, like, barely anything I can find. Members online right now, they've got six members and 34 guests. Those are probably all you guys. (laughs) 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 It's probably all you guys right now. Their Rise of Aegon Discord. uh, Yeah, an after show part. Exactly. That's a good way to look at it, Narashu. But they've got a hundred users online in their Discord. It's way less than they used to have. That's for sure. Yeah, that's a good way to look at it. Say, here's the after show, here's the after hours section. Yeah, because I like to open it up to the floor and just kind of sometimes m- leave it a little bit more relaxed for you guys. But I also know some people, they want to listen to something that's going to be constantly giving them the content like at a fast pace and like the content that they really want. You know, like... And there's nothing wrong with that, so I understand that.
2: <laughs> You're doing scav runs
0: in EFT? Yeah, so I can tell you guys some uh, news about the game development stuff. Um, we let a bunch of people in, got them under NDA. We've had some work started already. We've started working on a little bit of the movement and stuff, and... It's been exciting, like I've been super excited. I've kind of gotten to this point to where now I'm all in. Like I always had an excuse to not make games before. Like I, there was always something holding me back, always something that kept me quitting, like I never finished. I just make a couple of levels and stop or make a make a mod but never go further. And man, it's just been like the whole process, it is so challenging, but that's exactly why I want to do it. It's it feels like so Challenging and yet rewarding at the same time to like figure things out and come to certain um, realizations and make certain discoveries. And um, for example, like I found some other game examples and those really get me like motivated when I can find other game examples that do certain mechanics that I've wanted to do um, or have elements that I want to do in my game. Like. When I can see that those work and those are real in some other kind of game, it 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 becomes real for me, you know? Like I'm one of those people that once I see it, it's possible. Then I really wake up and I'm like, this really is possible. Like we can do this. And it's just, it's just been fun. Um not to go too uh sappy with it, but yeah, it's been fun because um it's just been learning every day, constantly learning, and um one thing I wanted to talk to you guys about in chat if you're ever curious is You can go to learn.unity.com to learn more about using Unity. And they have this thing called the Creator Kit. uh, Creator Kit RPG. They have a little tutorial that goes with it. But basically, you you download this kit. And this kit allows you to kind of create your own little world. It it has a tool set built in where it allows you to pick different um, backgrounds and build out a little village, build out a little house, um, make some simple quests, Very simple combat like things like that and um it's cool because it gives you experience testing out unity learning but also testing out what it feels like to make a game and use tool sets and presets and things like that i've been thinking about asking to join you guys as a writer but i want to get some more experience and i'm not sure about dedicating time yet makes sense My dog's over there, like snoring out her. It has been fun. It has note me down. Have you been paying any attention to Side Two at all? I haven't really. I'll be honest. Um, Carlo says the whole two creators or in creators one channel is a thing that the game theorists began to do once they grew because they couldn't push stuff out at a constant pace. Yeah, the the multiple creator thing has also been done by studios like Devolver Digital. Um obviously um what's um rooster teeth rooster teeth um the awesome what what's that fun house fun house channel awesome i think is another one there's a couple of different like youtube studio style channels that have multiple content creators who make content on it and they kind of do it as a collective as a group and that's what i'm trying to create eventually Um, It's slow coming, obviously, because I'm barely getting mine off the ground. But, hey, we might break 200K subscribers this year. So I'm excited about that. Let's go. I think so. Channel Awesome is still alive, isn't it? Or I'm not sure if that's a good example. I mean, when I say production studio, that's what I mean. But a a production studio is a network in a way. They can have their own network, especially a YouTube studio. A YouTube studio can have their own network, basically, because you could have... um, a series for death of a game you can have a series for term travel you can have a series for um single player games you can have a series for shooters you can have a series for um fighting games you can have a series for you know etc and maybe you have some that blend the different elements together maybe you have people who do let's plays or you know reactions and things like that um ultimately i think it just
2: depends um
0: what you need is 200k Twitch subs instead. Yeah, if I had 200k Twitch subs then then we'd have a budget. Channel awesome screw attack game domain. There are quite a lot. You guys just work in the same field kind of. Yeah, to some extent and I think obviously my version of that is I think unique and different and I don't just say that because I'm like I am unique and different but i really think my kind of content the detective theme the style of uh, content we create and the effort we put into our content uh, i think it's unique and i think it's different um i'm not saying we don't want to have humor of course we want to have humor maybe at some point we'll have a content creator who's a lot you know more humor focused but i think it's just it's about being kind of more realistic like we play characters to a certain extent but we also want to be authentic with you guys and that's why, like, um, the term traveler's character, he's kind of very more upbeat, um, speaks faster. Obviously, has a has a, a higher oc- octave of a voice than I do, right? <laughs> higher decibels. Um, and so it changes the way the series actually like plays. Versus if if you guys had me doing it, I know you might think, well, well, we just want you to do it. Um, we just want you to do that series. You might think that but ultimately you kind of don't because I'm not going to do it like he can do it which I'm telling you as the person who created the series and has created the channel I think he could do it better than me you see so it's like sometimes as a creator and in my case as a leader if you want to delegate for example on a game project or on a YouTube channel you have to know where your strengths lie and where your weaknesses lie and I know that I'm not um, the upbeat, fast, snappy kind of speaker, that's just not me I don't want to try and pretend to be that because sometimes I hear people excuse me, sometimes I hear people who just think that that's just kind of like everyone can do that style, and um, they're like, oh you should do it faster there shouldn't be as many pauses, I used to get that a lot in my videos early on, oh you shouldn't have as much pauses, I naturally like to pause I do, I, I don't know, I just do uh, maybe for effect maybe cuz i'm trying to you know collect my thoughts to some extent when i stumble over my words is usually when i'm podcasting and i'm not taking pauses you know what i mean so it's it's sometimes you get that little bit of um pressure of being like okay i need to say something and so that makes you of course want to speak faster and not take as many breaks but like i didn't ha- i don't have that kind of voice so it it makes sense for my perspective to get someone like him involved in it um where he has a different writing style. He's hungry, right? He wants to make content. And um
2: he's also uh intelligent. Like he knows how to write. The fedora makes it special. <laughs> yeah, the podcast is a special podcast because
0: of the fedora. There you go. A content creator that is humor focused. Yeah, I mean, like it's never really gonna sound appealing if you put it that way. Like w- Looking for content creator with humor focus. Like, it's never gonna sound great like that, but I'm sure at some point we'll get a detective that's a lot funnier. Just to put it that way. Like, I think I'm a funny guy to toot my own horn, but am I funny in the death of a game series? Like, I'm not really. I mean, I'm not really trying to be... I'm not really focused on being. So it's like, maybe I can be funnier, but that doesn't feel like the purpose, nor natural in that kind of series, from my perspective. So... Maybe in another kind of series, you'll get more humor, but I'm saying, I think don't just think that every detective is just going to be Mr. Fedora. You know, like Big Brain. Like, all the, you know, images are popping up in my head. I'm doing all the calculations. Like, not every not every, um... Did I did I uh, tip for you subscribing again, Carlo? That was a tier one subscription. RC went also. I, I got you, I know, but I don't know if I got you, Carlo, but there you go. But yeah, so, uh... It's, um, the humor in Death of a Game is, yeah, exactly, you Note know, Me Down. It's more like dry. It's more kind of like, um, well, you guys know yeah, that kind of humor. It's, it, but it's, um, I'm sure at some point we'll get a detective who's not going to be like me or even Joshua. Maybe they'll be a girl, for example. Maybe they'll talk slower, faster. Maybe they'll talk higher pitched. The point is, is there's going to be some level of variance. So I just, I'm saying that because I don't want people to expect like, well, it's it's just going to be another like nerd slayer, you know, when people are different. Not everyone is going to have the same brain or style as me, you know? But I am for sure um going to be a big part of their content as well. Like I want I believe that I can help people build a foundation like I built mine from scratch and make their content better and create more content and do it as a collective as well. Like I think I, I can do all of that at the same time. And um, that's kind of the idea behind my channel really in the future is just finding other like-minded uh, content creators who are hungry, who want to make videos about things that I just can't, I don't have the time to cover and that I want to be covered. You know, I want to cover those things. And that's kind of the idea. So you can in the future go to our channel and, and see a plethora of kinds of content maybe you can watch six different series you like to watch versus just one right now it's death of a game we just added term travel but in the future maybe there's four maybe you have favorites maybe a couple of those are your favorites you tell your friends yeah i watch that channel but i only like watching these three series or or what maybe you like all of them whatever the case may be uh
2: that's that's what we're going for We need a dad joke,
0: a hundred percent dad joke detective. I feel like that could definitely be pulled off. Um, definitely. So when is Eye Patch coming in? Then Nick Fury. Oh, so we need a Nick Fury, uh, one as well. Definitely, like stylistically, any new content creators we get, they're going to be different. Like we're not going to get another Nerd Slayer, and we're not going to get another. Term Traveler. We're going to get different kinds of personalities, different backgrounds, different interests, probably. Because we want to cover, like... It's kind of like I have this idea that I want to cover content in a certain way where you do it enough diligence and time and effort to explain it, but also just, like, um, handle some of the more sensitive aspects of things. But I can't do it all myself. Like, for example, I've played MMOs for, as I've told you guys... You know, 19 years but I didn't play card games for 19 years I, I didn't play um, I didn't play roguelikes uh, either one for 19 years I wasn't playing d d for 19 years there, there's a lot of things I can point out that uh, experiences that I lack in I wasn't playing all the different fighting games I only came from like a smash background so I'm pretty ignorant in that respect like there's certain topics that I just don't know enough about and it's not like you can just, you never know and your brain's just done. It only knows the things you know. Like, of course you can learn. Like, that's the whole point of the internet. And, and you know, my channel really is just question everything, right? Is like look into things. But um, it's also how much time is there in a day? How much uh, energy do I have? Um, there's so many things that go into it. I can't make every single kind of series, even though I do have a bunch of different series ideas, you know? There are lots of games that I have never played, but have been able to study them from an outside perspective. Honestly, I watch a lot of fighting games and have even read books about them. Yeah, fighting games are really unique and cool. Um, I just don't have one that I, like, play so much that I'm like, yeah, I'm a fighting game fan, you know? Like, I don't... I just don't really have that fighting game. I want one. I mean, my fighting game is in real life, usually, in a, in a gi with a belt tied around me, but, like, I'd love to have a fighting game that maybe I just play with a controller. And did you guys hear that Grand Blue is being released on uh, Steam in March? That's exciting. I think I'll play that. Maybe I'll play it with this. I don't know. I'm too casual, I think, to buy a pad and I don't have the money to buy a pad. So I would just maybe use like a game pad, like a controller versus like a joystick. But I'd like to try that game out because it's got swords and a cool like anime style art, which I know Limposs hates, but yeah, I'm, I'm trying to get out there and experience and explore games and different genres that I'm not experienced with currently. I'm at the stage right now, and I think every designer, especially main designer who's working on a game should be in is you want to have your vision of what you want your game to be, but you also want to be looking out, especially in the concept phase like we are right now and developing our game, the Dusty Arcade Project, lots of concept design. Is I'm just looking at everything. I'm trying to look at everything and see like, what aspects do we need our game to have? Which ones are cool? Maybe at a later date we could have. Which ones we would never have, you know, etc. And and of course, it's like you can look at old games, but it's also pertinent to look at more recent games.
2: Just admit you like the waifus. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Somebody described fighting games as the most
0: intense game of chess you will ever have. I could see that. Um, having, obviously, both fought and played chess, I, I think that the the similarities there are because it's strategic. And so you choose your options and you can kind of catch people in a sequence of moves, just like in chess. Like a pin or, or a fork or a checkmate could take a sequence of moves. Where Chess is kind of a bad example of fighting, though, and it's why like you have to like, and I know it's Joe Rogan even says like BJJ is chess with dire physical consequences. That's true, but like one of the problems with chess is that chess has a finite amount of moves, and fighting games, um, some do. So maybe in like one uh, a couple of fighting games, you could argue like yeah, it's it's a lot more set in stone, and there are games like that. There's also games where you can kind of make up your own combos, like in Smash. So you would argue that it's not as like chess, but maybe other fighting games are more like chess. I'm basically forced to play different games since I play mostly indie. Has anyone heard of Undertale? Okay, sorry, I was shut up about Undertale. You should play it though. Yeah, so Undertale is one of those games I watched a lot of playthroughs of, but I haven't played it myself yet. Um, And I think it's just largely, it doesn't seem like it's the kind of game form, even though it does have a lot of innovative aspects. and aspects that i want to learn from of course especially like how you can end the game and stuff at certain parts and like there's certain characters that are like evil characters in disguise like there's really funny and goofy aspects of it and i love how they turn so many different mini games in the game into part of the game basically but i think that um right now i've been focusing on kind of um finding games that have more of matching perspectives like of how we want our camera and gameplay to look I'm trying to study games like that, while also studying games that... When it comes to comparison, I I can compare things quite naturally. I think it's something that I'm very good at. Um, So, sometimes I forget to explain exactly what bits I'm comparing, but right now, I'm looking at games that satisfy what kind of gameplay and perspective i want in 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 the dusty arcade project i'm looking at games that have maybe either kind of world atmosphere or even quest system item system um that i want to implement as well and then i'm also looking at games that have like a narrative that for me does a good impactful job of getting you involved in the world and uh, learning about the story of the game and So I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm studying a lot of these different games right now. And I can tell you like a couple of the examples are ones that I've talked about before. um, I'm sure. But um, I found one recently actually that I'll show you guys uh, just because I thought it was really interesting. But it was like a combat system that I think is something that definitely could be. um, We could take inspiration from. And it's like we were thinking about a WASD combat system. And again, I get to talk about this stuff because I'm the creator of the NDA. But um, everything is under NDA. But um, the idea was that we want to have a combat system that's not point-to-click, actually. But it's actually WASD. And the reason is is because we want there to be more directionals. Uh, and we want there to be more abilities to have combos. And so I found this game. It's called Naxia. It's an early access game. I believe it's already out. And their combat system is a lot less personal than ours would be for sure um but i just like showing off their combat system because for me it's like here's an isometric looking game that still manages to have like some cool like combo elements to it and um and the way the combat kind of like uh slows down a little bit and you have like combos uh with your character
2: spinning around and jumping and doing different kinds of arcs and stuff Um, but yeah, like there, there's just, there's cool
0: aspects like this where you can find like so many cool indie games out there that can give you a lot of inspiration. Um, and, uh, and that, that was one of them. I also found this one too. This was one that I found, uh, that I thought was pretty interesting. It kind of reminded me a little bit of Legends of Aria, a little bit of, um, a little bit of Ultima, but also... Kind of like runescapey to a certain extent. Yeah, no, that like Alundras that's because I think those games make their combat like ARPG style in nature, not RPG style in nature, where it's just like they just want you to kill the next enemy. They don't really care how you do it. And I want to have a game that's more RPG, where people have to either think about using their abilities, or if you are just a left click spammer, um, you're going to have to do things in order to have that kind of playstyle. You know, like you're going to have to have wards or certain ways to protect you. I want to discourage people from just wanting to whack at everything with just one button cuz for me that that'd be like a cr- it would suck we put all this time and effort into a combat system, guys, and then somebody could literally just play it by just pressing mouse click. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like for me, I would see that as like a a failure. I'd be like, "Damn, we kind of failed in that respect, right?" And that's another thing, too, is like a lot of these games, you can fight just big, massive amounts of enemies. But the problem is, is that most of the time, including like and even in D&D, like I've heard of people dying on mercenaries before. I've heard of people dying in D&D on level one. It's a game where people die and they die sometimes to the stupidest things. And so I think there needs to be that level of fear in your game. Where there has to be a little bit of fear of dying and if there isn't then it just becomes so easy to to you know, make the gameplay experience. Let's clone 8 mercenary dudes and just send them all at you. But is that experience really, besides from combat perspective, that different than just sending less but making them more difficult? It only is if A, you think the player just wants to kill more monsters at a faster rate, which again is what an ARPG at its core would want to do, but in our game, we want you to think about each fight, and ultimately, we want you to feel the weight of uh, the risk and the reward. So, like wh- whether economically speaking, or character-wise, like the fear of death, uh, the fear of being KO'd, the fear of losing your stuff. Like, I I don't want the game to be built around just fighting big mobs all the time. But, yeah, I think this combat system is. Um, I'm pretty sure it's a WASD combat system. Uh, with a mouse look so this one's definitely got like some aspects um we'll take some inspiration from but yeah the idea is like the combat needs to be great enough for some people to just want to do combat but at the same time it can't just be all about combat because then um you know that we might lose some of the experience for the players who don't want to build such combat centric characters but that's where galaxies for me has so much inspiration and it's literally like free inspiration if you're curious and you want to figure out well how can we make other classes in the game that aren't just about fighting a, a monster or beating down their um beating down their uh, health pool right well galaxies had a solution for that they called it entertainers entertainers were in the game and either played instruments or danced and gave you buffs uh sorry buffs xp buffs um power-ups and uh were very necessary uh point of the game in order to get the proper buffs to be ready for adventuring and so you would play as a essentially a non-combat character an entertainer where your whole job is to just entertain people i'm trying to find some examples of the guy doing it Alright, so here he is. He started playing the instrument. So his abilities are right here. They're playing different songs, different effects, and people will walk up, follow, and watch him and then they'll select which buff they want and he'll give them the buff. Like, this could be a way, for example, you could have a bard profession or an instrument class um, that doesn't have to rely on doing damage to the enemy, but maybe literally just plays instruments. Maybe literally just buffs people. Um, But I think a big thing that Galaxies did so well, and it's why I'm using it as a big point of inspiration, even in a game that isn't going to be massive anytime soon, that's for sure, is because it had gameplay systems, combat, that was also centered around non-combat things. I think that's one of the most overlooked aspects of an MMO. And Galaxies nailed that. So if you were, for example, a smuggler, then your mechanic as a class ultimately also was smuggling goods. It was smuggling drugs, right? Like, and so that was part of the game for you. And so that's how you made money on the side. You sliced things and you smuggled things. As a bounty hunter, it was what? It was bounty hunting. As a doctor, it was buffing people. So like, you could be a medic maybe your combat profession's a medic but maybe you also were a doctor as a profession and that was how you made money and made credits and so it's like i think those two aspects of galaxies were super important and super crucial in making the game have such longevity even in 2020 this was just last year somebody took this uh footage but um but yeah even now still in 2020 people are still playing the game it's because the game isn't just about fighting. If it was just about fighting, let's just be honest. The combat system in Galaxies is not so great. <laughs> it's not that great. I'm a big fan of the game. Played it for abnormal amounts of time. I, I've even showed you guys videos of me playing the game back in the day. Like, I was a big fan. The combat was not a big point of the game. And so it's just like... Um, I think that's a big thing we want to take inspiration from in our game. Is finding more ways to complete quests and... and. Um, help your teammates without having to just give them your sword because sometimes you have a teammate or a friend who's like you know what i'm not the best combatant but maybe i just want to play you a song and give you a buff or maybe i just want to give you really good you know food or medicine or maybe i just want to talk my way out of this problem or maybe i'll just hide <laughs> when mmos used to be 50 percent game and 50 percent chat room yeah isn't it isn't it a bit jarring to look at like to look at how much sitting around as players these days would call it. But a lot of the time it was just people were waiting for friends, they're getting buffs, they're talking to people. It's just like that was also a big part of the game. And um I like how someone has their like droid consistently dropping his like foam ooze on the ground.
2: <laughs> One of my most
0: Fond memories in WoW was in Vanilla putting down a campfire in Stormwind outside the auction house and sitting down, and people would just join in. We would talk about the books that we read, like Tolkien. <laughs>
2: That's so cool, though. WoW Ascension has announced season six.
0: What if all my buttons are on the mouse? Um. That'd be crazy to to imagine. I couldn't imagine that, but I, I guess I could see it. Man, it was just so cool doing stuff like this in Galaxies. You could also say, like, let's say, like, a. Hello,
4: everybody. Mobius1 here, bringing you yet another Star Wars Galaxies emulator video. Now, in my last video, we talked a bit about how my opinion was the best ways to earn credits as a combat profession in Galaxies, and one of the things that I failed to mention in that video that I was reminded very many times in the comments and by people messaging me in-game is that slicing greatly increases your mission payouts. I did mention it very briefly when I talked about uh, Bounty Hunter Terminals no longer being able to be sliced since Publish 8, but I could have gone into it a little bit more as far as the... the um, effectiveness of it on just regular combat missions, because that is something that you can still do. Uh, So, what is slicing? Slicing is a skill that you get as a smuggler in Galaxies. So, if we look at the smuggler profession, first of all, a little disclaimer, this is not a smuggler guide, as you can see, but uh, let's... Okay, let's skip ahead a little bit. Very easy. Um, The quality of of the materials does not matter. Uh, at all so you can just hand sample whatever go ahead and craft whatever in addition to precision laser knives they're also a very important tool to smugglers is a molecular clamp now i'll say why a molecular clamp is very important these
0: are Uh, junk items guys galaxies was the genius game that figured out what to do with junk gear they just gave it a use (laughs) everything even if it just seems like junk just has uses in the game it's crazy because it's like this is an item that i would just throw away in in hindsight it's so funny that this is actually used for something
4: you do not get the ability to craft them until slicing four if you fail there's nothing you can do uh if you succeed well then obviously good for you but we're going to use a molecular clamp so we'll hit okay. You can see the molecular clamp is taken out of my inventory. It says you gently fuse the molecular, cl- molecular. Oh my god, molecular clamp to the reward subsystem. If a guard sees you doing this, the they'll work. ask you to show ID, you and you can actually be attacked by the guards. So you can see our only options now are cut either. Because it, it is illegal. You can still fail at this point, uh, so be sure that you read and see which one it tells you to cut. So we'll cut red first. Uh, you use a Precision Laser Knife, so it loses one charge. The reward subsystem is partially re- rerouted. A little bit more work, and you should be able to convince this thing to give you a higher payout. So then we cut blue. And there you go. You have managed to slice the terminal. Your next mission reward will be increased. And That's now hilarious. if you double-click on the terminal, you can see our highest-paying mission out of Masa Isley is 13,000 credits. Now, very important to note that when you do slice a mission terminal only the next refresh of the mission list will offer higher rewards you'll show you right now (laughs) if i hit refresh good to know man yeah that's
0: just an example of like a smuggler doing
2: their profession to make money um there's also of course I think the
4: materials are going to make a lot more difference. Being
0: a doctor uh, and a It's medic. obviously here.
4: So if we look in here, look at our macros. I've got. Uh, we'll show that in a second because whatever. looking right now. But that was. And
0: uh, we- so as a doctor, you make stems, you make food, you make
2: health injectors or whatever those are called. It's just crazy. Like, let's just go look at the professions. All right, so it started off with basic professions. <clears throat>
0: Artisan, brawler, entertainer, marksman, medic, politician, scout. Elite professions would be um, architect, armorsmith, chef. Droid Engineer, Merchant, Tailor, Weaponsmith. Elite Brawler would have Fencer, Pikeman, Swordsman, Taras Artist. Elite Entertainer would have a Dancer, Image Designer, uh, image designer, which I think was like changing your character's appearance, and a Musician. Uh, elite Marksman was carbineer, Pistolier, and Rifleman. Elite Medic was a Doctor. Elite Scout was a Ranger. And then there was Hybrid Professions. BioEngineer was a Medic and a Scout. A bounty hunter was a marksman and a scout. A combat medic was a marksman and a medic. A commando was a marksman and a brawler. A smuggler was a marksman and a brawler, and a squad leader was a
2: marksman and a scout. <laughs> oh yes, Filipino women. <laughs> yeah,
0: no. I'm I'm sure those I'm sure those ads are targeted. Um I just search Filipino women whenever I'm ready to Get going. <laughs> Filipino Cupid. Man, should we go find love, guys, or what? I'm just kidding. Um, But, yeah, there's a, I'm going to save this. There's a lot to learn from this page. I like the way they did it. In fact, I'm looking for, like, a chart. Let's see if we can find a chart.
2: Of the chunk a chunkla uh, okay, here we go. So here's one like master
0: artisan. You've got the max level chef, uh chef, merchant, droid engineer,
2: architect armor smith. So cool, man. What a cool system. What a cool system.
0: INS, are you planning to play Star Wars Galaxies? So, I actually was thinking of this. Um, Since right now, when I'm playing Guild Wars, it's honestly been playing a lot by myself. (laughs) And I kind of expected that. I think it's more of a loner game than maybe some of the other games that are currently out on the market. That being said... I have been considering doing a playthrough of a classic MMO, but I want to actually, like, go through and make it, like, a, a community affair and, like, actually have people interested in trying and sticking with it. Um, because uh if you don't have enough players and you play some of these old games, they're pretty hard to play, first off, and they're also just not as fun. So, yeah, um, I've thought of it, and um, the big ones that I've thought of are darkfall star wars galaxies and um yeah those are probably the biggest ones right now but maybe i could throw in some other ones for the review uh series which is a different thing altogether that's just selfish wanting to play the old school games maybe i'd turn it into some classic series i don't know but mmo reviews it's guild wars 2 Followed by possibly Final Fantasy or Elder Scrolls Online. Followed by
2: possibly Albion or RuneScape. Followed by who knows Vintage Classic WoW. I really wish that Darkfall was more popular. I did too
0: and that's why I'm saying it's like I haven't really like jumped in with it because of you know population issues and then obviously the whole like the only guys left playing are major sweaters and so it's like I could get over the major sweater part if there's more people playing but more less people playing and major sweaters eh, becomes less fun because every engagement's going to be with players who are just really good and who haven't been playing for a long time. So it ends up just not being as fun. And, um, I don't know. I was hoping they were going to do a steam launch. They talked about it. So we'll see I, until then, probably on the back burner, I would say I probably would rather play galaxies. I think just because even if we started off by playing the emulator and then went to NGE and galaxies, um, We'd still get better private server experiences. I mean, their private servers have way more players than Darkfall does. It's sad, but it's true. Um, The Galaxy's emulator has, I think, sometimes like 3K players. They have way more players than Darkfall does. So there there would also be a lot of people playing
2: those games by comparison, which is funny to think.
0: It's too bad the galaxies did age better. The graphics are really an eyesore. You mean Darkfall? I think the graphics in Darkfall were always kind of like crude and I mean, really? For some people like myself, they kinda of grow on you.
2: But they're straight crude in some respects and yeah. Not not too great overall.
0: galaxies has a couple of mods you can download that help with the performance um but more so the lighting and the shadows and make the game look a little bit better that's how i got the game to look how i did in uh the galaxies video i did is um the death of a game i did on galaxies i had a bunch of mods People kept asking how, how do you make your game look like that and i'm like i honestly couldn't remember but i had a bunch of
2: mods Alright, I'm going to head out. I'll see you guys
0: later. Thank you for joining me on this (laughs) little bit all over the place episode of uh, Six Pixels Under. This was episode 72. Uh, I am NS, your host. And uh, it's been nice to talk to you guys. It's been nice to see you guys um, again. And this was the 2nd of March. I will see you guys next week. And next week, hopefully we have some more MMO news and I will actually have some time to set up our next MMO roundtable, um, which, you know, again, the whole game development stuff, guys, has just been, it's been a handful. Like, some of you guys can't see all of it because it's in the secret discord, the top secret discord, but if you've been over there, it's been super banging, lot going on, lot to do. Before I head out, when am I announcing it? Announcing it.
2: Announcing what? You mean the game? Probably not Alright, well, I'll see you later, guys. Um, peace out. And question everything.